0: And welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I am your host, Casper. And I am your other hostess, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays
1: because... Wednesdays, as always, are for podcasts.
0: So tonight we have a really, really good episode
1: for you. I'm so sorry. This is usually how we started off, yeah. guys. You, you know us well um, enough.
0: <laughs> We have a very special guest with us tonight, and uh, this is our Salem episode. Yay! All about Salem, and um, we have a history buff with us, and he's really cool. Uh, his name is Dr. Vidka from Spellbound Tours an amazing tour that you can take in Salem and it's the best one. We have we didn't take any other tours, it doesn't matter, it's the best one. And we're being totally biased and we don't care. It is the best one <laughs> pretty much. Um but if you ever go to Salem, make sure you take their tour. It's fantastic, very 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 informative and Dr. Vidka is really really freaking cool. So we have him here with us now. Well,
2: Dr. Good evening. Yay. <laughs> I'm glad you took the tour and I'm even more glad you liked
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. We did. We loved it. Um, I was sort of more of the Salem history buff than Casper. So, you know, this was sort of a, a trip in the, in, a lifetime in the making for me.
2: So, so, you've wanted to come to Salem for a long time
1: for then. For an extremely long time. Um, and really the first, The first one for me, and I think most people my age, um, was, you know, preferred reading back in school was The Crucible. Everybody read The Crucible. Um, and then of course the movie comes out and even though the movie was, was pretty historically inaccurate, (laughs) um, you know, it made for an interesting read. It makes for an interesting story. And of course, if it's your first introduction to the Salem Witch Trials, you know, if you're smart enough to kind of go off and do your own research, it it was, and as I did, um, it just kind of started with me from there, and I've wanted to learn everything about not only the town, but the witch trials itself. And that's what um, Casper and I both really appreciated about the tour, is not only did you have such a wealth of knowledge about the the witch trials, there was also a plethora of knowledge about the actual town itself that i was even un- unfamiliar with um I mean, it sounds to me like you did more research than arthur miller did <laughs> <laughs> i i guess i did she's you know.
0: she's a huge research buff though like for real anytime she ever comes across something that she's interested in i've learned so much from just being her friend um and this this whole thing has been a learning experience for me i personally have been wanting to go to salem for years as well not as long as she has but very, very long since I knew about the witch trials. And I did a little research myself, but I'm not as big as a research
1: buff as Becky is here. But... Uh, glad
2: you um, finally
1: made it. It looks like I've made it. <laughs> yeah, it was literally my mecca. Yeah, I'm, I'm a you witch.
2: There are going to be some of those people who come as visitors and then end up moving here, I can tell.
1: Probably.
0: I've already considered moving to Fall River, actually. Yeah. So mine, mine would be uh,
1: we're we're locked into a mortgage, so if we would be able to get somebody to buy this house, then me and my husband are all in. So.
0: Right. It's like, um, well, I have no ties, so I'm just gonna go move to Fall River.
1: We'd only be an hour and a half away. Yeah, we
0: would. That's <laughs> true. I would, I would come and visit. you know. Maybe you
2: would get a job like at the Lizzie Board now, some kind of live-in caretaker.
1: Don't even get don't. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, don't get her started. Don't get me started jump, on Lizzie Borden. She'll jump gonna... on
2: that.
1: She'll jump on that opportunity immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like I would actually personally
0: like to be a caretaker of the Maplecroft. Like I would literally talk to the homeowner and be or the owner and be like, listen, I want to live here forever. I will okay? live here. I'll work
1: here. Whatever you. <laughs> I'll need take care more. of
0: it. It's fine.
1: Mow the lawn. Do the plumbing. Whatever you need. <laughs> I will. F- I will take care of this fourteen bedroom house by myself.
0: <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about Leslie Borden. So,
1: um, <laughs> Dr. Vidka, I did want to get a little bit, um, if you don't mind, for our listeners, kind of going into a little bit of of your background. Are you? Um, were you born and raised in Salem? Kind of what what started your Fascination with this, more history buff,
2: I was, or I was not born and raised in Salem. I okay. was originally from Massachusetts, okay. and I came to Salem for the university here. And uh, I while I was here, I got introduced to the town and the history, and it kind of stuck with me. And of course, I left Salem after the university and traveled around a lot. I worked with a carnival freak show, which was a great time, and I learned a lot that way. But when it came time to come back to Salem, there's no other place I'd rather be because it has such the wealth of New England history and It has the ghost stories, and it's a really great place to be as a paranormal researcher and a place just so rich in history and where you can meet other like-minded people. And I'm not talking so much about the people from Salem, but the people who visit from all around the world who want to come here and learn about our history. But even more exciting to me is they want to share their ghost stories, things that have happened to them.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely one of the things that caught us with the, with the tour was, you know, not only hearing about the experiences, but also hearing about other people sharing their experiences, our experiences. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And you're right. But we
2: have time. We do paranormal investigations. Right. And obviously, a lot of it we debunk. Right. The vast majority of it's people who are mentally ill and aren't getting it treated. Or they've got squirrels in the wall. That's where the voices are coming from. <laughs> but every once in a while, there'll be a case that just doesn't fit in with any natural causes. And that's when we get really excited and start looking for potential paranormal angles.
1: I love that cuz I'm I'm also one of these people that I I come full I I fully come in as a skeptic. You know, I well, I Which is what you should do. You should mm-hmm. do that. Yes. Very much so. Very much so. You're a, you're you're able to debunk it so much better when you can have a plausible explanation for it. But obviously, if there is no plausible explanation for it, even if you can't say it's paranormal, you can at least say that it's unexplained phenomena.
2: Right, and I mean, unfortunately, there's no, like, ghost zoo where we can go and
0: study. (laughs) Man, can somebody make one of those? Like,
2: It's a very intangible kind of science, but it's really interesting, and there's a book I love. It's called Confessions of a Ghost Hunter, and it was written... Oh, boy, probably about 100 years ago. And all the science in it is crazy. The guy talks about setting up cameras with flash powder and just old, old science. But what is so good about it is he's applying real scientific thinking and scientific method to it. Like all the how-to stuff for our technology is junk, but just the mindset behind it is fantastic.
1: And even to write something like that a hundred years ago, yeah, that'll, I would have to check out a book like that. That sounds... I was like, "Oh, a hundred years ago, interesting. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that piqued my interest immediately.
2: Yeah, so, you know, I'll send you, I don't remember the author, but I'll send you a link if you want, because it's a really cool book. Sweet. I would yes. very much
1: appreciate that. Please, Definitely, please. Definitely, because we'll let our listeners know, too. Um... So if you could get, um, I'll go into kind of before we get into the witch trials, because I know for me, this was, this was really interesting. Can you give our listeners a little bit of history of the town of Salem itself prior to the witch trials, kind of what sort of made Salem, put Salem more on the map prior to that, the, this, the witch trial history.
2: Salem was kind of a rough place before it was frontier. Uh, Salem was founded in 1626, which is pretty early when you look at the colonial timeline. And there was constant, constant fighting between the settlers and the indigenous people who lived here. And the people who were running Salem were Puritans, who were just the most up crazy fanatical Christians that you could ever meet and they wanted to get away from England Uh, they wanted to go and do their own thing they wanted to live this strict extremely godly life in Salem and they were the ones in power but then you also had people who were like land speculators who were coming out to the frontier to try to make their fortune it was not a big place these were people out in the wilderness wow
1: yeah I mean that's That would make sense, especially for it being a territory that early. Because I I know for us, especially being in Ohio, you know, the oldest towns that we see here aren't, uh, you know, barely past 1800. So to be somewhere where you have architecture that is still there from that time is, is really, I mean, interesting to say the least. Um,
2: One thing which, which is kind of interesting about Salem is there were a lot of Native Americans in the area. And they would camp in Salem that come and that fish and that uh, hunt. But they didn't want to settle here. The folklore was always like, oh, this area is kind of weird. We're not going to make a permanent home here.
1: Wow. That's interesting.
2: And that was, that was pre-colonial.
1: Wow. So, I mean, so even... Way before the witch hysteria, there's there's always been some type of, uh, some kind of spooky something in the air. Bad juju going on around. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's hmm. also funny that Salem, the name Salem is uh, translates
2: to city of peace. It's like uh, short for uh, shalom or something. It's it's uh, derived from a word that means peace.
1: Well, I think we had found out at one point that it was actually derived from Jerusalem.
2: Yes, right. Exactly. The the new the new Jerusalem. The
0: new Jerusalem. Oh. That wow. was a, that was crazy to uh find out. Was that part? I the yeah. New
2: Jerusalem,
0: yep. <laughs> oh Wow. Why does that sound
1: spooky? <laughs> it's like there should sounds- be a woo after that. Like who <laughs> <laughs> cue, cue sound effects. We're not that fancy. Sorry, we don't...
2: So here we, we have the, the Native Americans who... Lived here but thought it was spooky. Then we had the crazy religious fanatics who came in. Right. It doesn't really sound like a great place.
1: No, not not at all. Not <laughs> not then, anyway. <laughs> right. Sounds like a great place now. It's a great place now. Wonderful place now. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> right, but I still got all those angry ghosts. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's <laughs> a lot of angry, angry ghosts. ghosts. Um, that's why I, That's why I stay in Salem now.
0: Have you personally, I, this is probably jumping the gun, but since we were on the subject of ghosts, have you personally ever had any experience with ghosts on your tours?
2: I, not on the tour, because when I'm giving the tour, I'm more uh, occupied with the storytelling and the entertainment and making sure that visitors don't run into traffic and that <laughs> kind of thing. It's It's entertainment and it's crowd control when I'm giving the tour, but I have had experiences at some of the sites we visit on the tour.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Because I know you did mention at one point Gallows Hill, even though we don't take that part of the tour, but I know you said there was a lot of activity that happened here. Right, there. And
2: one thing that, so that we can be perfectly legal and clear to the listeners, if the Salem powers that be are listening, I do not encourage people to go to Gallows Hill.
0: And you made sure to tell us that, too, on your tour. You were very clear on that.
2: Right. right. I mean, it's public knowledge where it is but I don't tell you you
1: should go. I say that you can find it if you'd like to, but don't go. Well, I know we had an episode some time back about um, paranormal experiences that Casper and I had both shared um, in our past, and one of them involved myself um, in a, a gunpowder factory that's that's uh, local to the area, that an explosion happened um, a number of years ago, back in the, I believe in the 1920s, where several people were killed. Um, and I was a teen, and I trespassed. And I made it very clear to everyone, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> what I did was very stupid and very illegal. And <laughs> if cops would have been there, I would have gotten arrested. So please, I mean, I made it clear to everyone, don't do it. Let Becky Grimlin is telling you, you don't
2: trust me. Years ago. Before they put the memorial up, we would occasionally take special groups up there. If they were people who were professional ghost hunters or if they were people who really had an interest in it or occasionally if they just wanted to pay extra to go to Gallows Hill, we would take the special trips up there. But I discontinued that because it got really strange. We were seeing things that went out of the realm of being fun and spooky and were kind of dangerous. Yeah. Like, I went up there with a friend who, she's, to this day, she's a very staunch skeptic, but we got up to about the hanging ledge, and she tripped and fell, and she said it was because somebody grabbed her ankle.
1: Oh, And
2: this is a girl who doesn't believe in anything, and she got a little injured, she broke her glasses, and she was a little shaken up and short of breath, and she was upset. She was saying, somebody grabbed me, somebody grabbed me. And her and I were the only people there that I couldn't have grabbed her. I was way up ahead. And when we calmed down, she rolled up her pant leg, and I looked at her ankle, and it looked like a big, angry bruise where you could see all the marks, like when somebody grabs you. Like when you see like, the domestic abuse pictures kind of thing. Right. You know, wow. Like somebody had really, harshly grabbed her leg, and it was a fresh bruise, too, like it had just happened then and we cut that one short.
1: Okay, so to all of our listeners, don't (laughs) go to Gallows Hill. That has been your public service announcement brought to you by Don't Fuck With The Original. There's there's
2: one more, too, which I think you'll you'll appreciate. It was... uh... A bunch of, like, college fraternity bro dudes. I'm like, yeah, let's
1: go to Gallo. Oh, great. A bunch of Chads. A bunch of Chads. Awesome.
2: Chad, Oh, that's incel talk. <laughs> <laughs> Let it be known that incels, you need to get yourself fixed before we welcome you on a ghost tour. Yes, <laughs> yes. But, uh, so yeah, these these Chads. Ugh, I feel dirty saying it. I know,
1: right? But, yeah. <laughs> you gotta shower afterwards. You're like, ugh. These incels, if you're listening, don't shoot me. Oh, I doubt they listen to us, but you're... you're well, yeah. that's
2: right, because you, you two are dirty femoids.
1: Ooh,
2: ooh. Oh, no.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I,
2: I did the research because they disgust me so much. Incels, <laughs> not femoids. I, I like ladies. No, we, we know. Incels are we gross. <laughs> <laughs> but so these, these guys, they weren't taking it seriously, but they really wanted to go to Gallows Hill. And we got up about halfway we were going up one particular kind of creepy path and one of the guys who was just this big oaf like ogre in Revenge of the Nerds he started crying he was just crying nobody saw what happened but he just was like blubbering like a baby was like bro we gotta leave we gotta leave bro we gotta leave and the other guys were like uh all right and they ran off the hill and the next day we got an email from them like i'm so sorry for making fun of the ghost stuff but we saw something i'm not going to tell you what we saw but we were just so spooked we were sorry for being jerks uh we don't want to ever deal with ghost stuff again and these guys were the whole time just goofing around hyper masculine not taking anything seriously but when they got up to gallows hill they saw something that just shook them to their core, and they wouldn't even admit what it was when they wrote to us to apologize for being idiots.
1: Why does that somehow bring me so much glee? I I feel <laughs> like you know I kind of feel like whatever
0: was on that hill was like, all right, come on guys, Wait, we're we're done with these bullshit. Yeah, we're like we're, let's we're, let's
1: show them what we're made <laughs> of. We're done with these Chads. We're about to we're about to, take we're about out to all shake the these Chads' world. <laughs> <laughs> we're pulling out all the stops. We're the ghosts. Uprising? Oh, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I think that's what it sounds it's, it's, like. It's kind
0: of like when you provoke those things, though. They're kind of like, oh, you don't believe in me? <laughs> Look at this, bitch. And they're kind of just like... <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Let's get yeah. back to ghosts, not stuff, because they make me so mad. <laughs> 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 I know. I love it. It's like, let's talk about more of the spooky stuff. I don't no, like No, let's <laughs> talk about the ghosts. Let's, let's talk about the creepy stuff. That's just so much more inviting. Um, So I did want to, now that we're kind of more on the topic about the witches... Um, and the trials itself in 1692. So there was something I did want to bring up first before we really get into the story about, um, and the religious hysteria. Um, mine too, definitely. Um, there are some things that I did kind of want to go over, um, to sort of debunk a few things. (laughs) And I think more so because, um, when Casper and I were earlier before the tour and during the day we were in, uh, old burying point. Um, which is, uh, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Vidka, is that one of the oldest cemeteries in Salem?
2: It is, as far as I'm aware, it is the oldest cemetery in Salem. Okay. And it is, I believe, the second oldest European cemetery in the United States.
1: Wow.
0: What's the it's first? Of,
2: what's the third?
0: The first. Oh, the first is
2: a little town called Duxbury, Massachusetts. Huh. I was gonna say, nobody cares about the third yeah no they
1: never do he was like the third kind of like godfather three we just act like that didn't happen you just watch the first two and and godfather three doesn't exist sorry um (laughs) nobody ever cares about the third one but we were actually touring that cemetery and um there were some people there that had asked us um do you guys know where the witches' graves are? And I was surprised in 2019 that anybody still thought that there were actual graves. And I had to tell the lady, ma'am, they there are no graves. If if they were convicted as being witches, they weren't given proper burials. They uh, there's right. So there, if in, the, in the Charter Street Cemetery, the old burying point, there are graves from people
2: who were tangential to the witch trials, people who were involved with it. Nasty old Judge Hathorne is yes. buried there. Giles Corey's first wife, I believe, is buried there. There's a governor buried there just Im- important people to the witch trials story yes but none of the people who were convicted of witchcraft was buried there right. it was completely against the law to put a witch bury him in sacred ground so nowadays there's a fairly modern memorial uh, a place to honor their memory uh, called the witch trials memorial yes. and that's adjacent to the cemetery but there's no bodies under there Uh, When the people were executed up on Gallows Hill, after their bodies were finally done rotting in the trees, they were just kicked into a ditch, which the folklore called the Witch's Pit. And the bodies just languished in there, and it's believed that most of the witch trial bodies, the remains or whatever would be left of them, would still be somewhere on gallows hill there have been studies where people have tried to locate where the bodies are have been ground penetrating radars and they think they've figured out where they might be so yeah the vast majority of the condemned witches they're still in the earth on the hill there were some people like rebecca nurse's family despite the big threat of death that was put on to anybody who was uh, caught taking a witch body back that family smuggled her body back. They took it along in a little canoe on the North River and secretly buried it on her property. George Jacobs' family probably also rescued the body, and it's believed that John Proctor's family took his body away too. But those are all buried at secretive locations on family land. The bulk of the witch trial victims are are up there in the hills somewhere.
1: Oh wow! So that and of course that would explain the activity there for sure. I mean, that's a lot of anger, I, w- I would think. Um, Just
2: a miscarriage of justice.
1: Very much so. One thing which I find really intriguing about the Hill is Salem
2: nowadays is a major center for people who are practicing witches. There's a lot of people who come to Salem who are witches, and it's really cool because they can be out and open about being witches in Salem. Nobody's going to persecute you for wearing a pentacle or a pentagram. You can be as witchy as you want to be in Salem and you'll fit right in. And I think it's great that we have places where people can learn about witchcraft as a religion, as a way of life. But one thing that some of the modern witches do that I think is a little questionable is every year on Halloween, they lead a procession from downtown Salem up to Gallows Hill to honor the memory of the Salem convicted witches. And their heart is in the right place. They're doing something really nice. They're coming from a good place. But consider the people that they're honoring would be horrified and offended by a bunch of real witches showing up.
1: I could not agree more. So, um, I am a witch, but I am not Wiccan and I, and I have to explain a little bit to people about that. Cause I'm, I'm kind of more eclectic uh-huh. and, um, more of an herbalist. I, I tend to think I probably draw more to being kind of more druid in a way. And, Right. That kind of came from my childhood. My mom was always more of the, you know, herbs and things like that to cure things rather than traditional medicine. And I'm still very much like that to this day. Um, and I, I couldn't agree that more. How
2: interact with your, your life in the medical profession?
1: Um, well, I'm not in the profession anymore, if that says anything. <laughs> <laughs> You know i it, it's 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 unfortunately the medical field and i and I will say this because I'm sure a lot of people who work in the field even now would agree with me um it has become so more about money than about care. That uh, and you just start to see how the drug market and um all of that really fuels. It, it, it's just, it's just so ugly. It just got so ugly to me. It, it's people cared more about the almighty dollar than than it's like the word patient and care just got ripped apart. And um, yeah, I, it was kind well, of a say, catharsis I, for I me.
2: Endorse the herbs. I I have a friend, a man who was total end-state alcoholism, the doctor said he was going to die, and then he went to this Chinese herbalist who said, take milk thistle. Mm -hmm. He stopped drinking, but he also started taking milk thistle, and he's alive today. Like, this guy was supposed to die 20 years ago, but milk thistle, and he said he went into the doctor, and the doctor said, I thought you were never going to see you again, because you were going to die. What have you been doing? And he said, milk thistle. And the doctor was like, well... We can't, you know, legally endorse it. Right. But if it's working, keep doing it, and
1: maybe I'll tell my other patients to do it too. See, it's cool when you have. I I have a doctor like that now, and that's kind of upsetting when they when you tell them like, no, I I just take uh, herbs, and they're like, oh well. Yeah, well, we can't say, but hey, if it works for you, great. You know, it's it's <laughs> kind of like they they're just sort of their hands are up in the air. They have they they literally have no idea. I, oh, I remember right. even and just
2: can get in trouble if they if they do advise to take the herbs.
1: That is true. That is that that actually is true. I mean, I I worked for a oh gosh, malpractice and in insurance is insane. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even. So I get it. Why they can't? Because. They, right. don't, they don't want to get sued I totally get that um, But yeah I can understand Their hearts being in the right place Wanting to honor these people As witches But you're absolutely right These people were Puritans They were Christians They would be so offended <laughs> of anybody it
2: would have been That anybody was calling them a witch
1: Because they weren't <laughs> I mean they weren't right. witches so. the One thing that's one thing that's just nuts is that people don't
2: think about today is these Puritans, very devoted to their Christian God, very pious, but they were doing stuff in their everyday life that we would consider witchy. Like all their medicine, their real medicine was herbs. Yes. Um, if you, you might remember from the a tortoise story about the poppet, which is analogous to what we think of as a voodoo doll, but there were people who were... Making puppets to protect themselves against evil spirits. And these were people who believed that all spirits were diabolical, and yet they were using counter magic, even though they were Puritans. If you go into the witch house, you can see that there were some uh, counter magic marks, uh, little sigils carved into some of the beams uh, that the Puritans carved in to protect them from witchcraft. And I mean, doesn't that sound witchy in and of itself? Uh, Very much so. When you
0: use when you use witchcraft to keep away witchcraft,
1: witchcraft.
2: Um, <laughs> and you have yeah, you're fighting witchcraft with witchcraft. <laughs> Pretty much. Price and Boris Karloff in the Raven. Like,
0: hello,
1: sir. Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> do, you, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> So I'm. I was really happy to to debunk that, and uh, I do want more people to uh, visit the Salem Memorial because that that really is more of a proper testament to to the the victims of these trials. It, it really is. And there's also
2: one in Danvers too, and there is also one on Gallows Hill. So okay. We are trying to honor their memories.
0: Probably um, not, not going to go to the Gallows but- Hill one, but.
2: <laughs> I'm That's I'm actually the truth. Did you two sneak up to the hill memorial?
0: No, no we did not.
1: No, no, no. Not even during the day when it's legal and okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're we're sensitives, so Yeah, we're actually both sensitives and um I I myself really pull a lot of energy and I was just I I it 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 frightened me to go to a yeah, place like that. I was really scared that even during the day I was going to be pulling a lot of heavy energy that I just, I didn't want to hold on to. I mean, I can tell you that, uh,
2: remember that little dog I mentioned is hanging out here uh, when we started chatting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He goes everywhere and he's not a big dog, but he can be pretty aggressive. He's not scared of anything, but he will not set foot in the Memorial on Gallows Hill. See, uh, that's, that's even a
0: big, more of a note for me. Yep. (laughs) I,
2: I live, I live around the corner from it. And, uh, we go on our walks in the vicinity. Uh, just tonight, we went to the Walgreens, which is at the foot of Gallows Hill. But even walking past the memorial, he will get real close to me. And normally, he's, he likes to pull on his leash. But when we get close to the memorial, he comes in real close and doesn't want to go anywhere near it.
1: Dogs always know. Dogs and cats are very there's something animals animals have a sense to the spirit realm that realm that we just we just don't sense like they do. Oh yeah, they're they're better ghost detectors than any equipment
2: you can buy.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, that that actually brings us back to so two things about Danvers that we found. um, I believe that Rebecca Nurse, uh, that was where her family. That was where her family buried her. It was somewhere the family...
2: Right. Probably somewhere on this mountain Rebecca nurse Home
1: Oh, okay.
2: Which you can visit, and it is a cool place to check out. Um, if you didn't get a chance on your trip, I'd recommend going there. Make sure it's open before you drive out. But uh, you can definitely check that place out. I highly recommend it.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, something else interesting we found out about Danvers too... Um, just sort of serendipitously while we were at Marblehead. Um and then you sort of brought it all back together. And I apologize to jump ahead a little bit, but this is kind of a because this is sort of a personal favorite to me. No,
2: that's that's the magic of anything. You can
1: make it go in any direction you want. I know, right? <laughs> um HP Lovecraft and yes. his connection with I mean Salem, Marblehead, all of that being in the HP Lovecraft mythos
2: was really. If you're, if you're coming to this area, you're going to be hanging out in Arkham. Um,
1: Lovecraft visited Salem, and Lovecraft was notorious for not going anywhere. He was a shut in? Yes, he was.
2: Kind of. And to bring it back to our earlier conversation, I'm pretty sure Lovecraft was almost an incel. I, I, I,
1: I think he was. The more I know about him, mm, yeah. Could <laughs> kind I of, like. I like some of his writing,
2: but he's also just so questionable. You know what he named his cat?
1: I No, I actually don't.
2: It's not a word that I can say without getting in a lot of trouble. Oh,
1: crap. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> is, it, is
0: it a Google thing? I'll look it up. It was, you can look it up. It was a black
2: cat, if that gives you any idea.
0: Oh,
1: no. Oh, no. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft
1: was a jerk. Yeah, I recently um so there's a there's a great YouTube channel called Biographies and um, I recently learned I I strictly only knew about HP Lovecraft's writings. I, I hate to say right. that I I only knew about, you know, reanimator and Cthulhu and and I I, I was more oh, I love re-animator. uh I met Jeffrey Combs. It was it was a dream come true. Uh it could take forever going into that. Um was he a cool guy in real in real life? He was amazing. He was so cool. He was so cool. It was actually a reanimator reunion, so it just made oh. it like 10 million. He signed my DVD. I it put brains, I mean, it just was so. Oh. It was it was, I was lit-
2: Castle Freak the other day, and I made the connection like, this guy must hate cats.
1: I right. What is the deal? Anyways, so, so back, back yeah, he was that, extremely you know, racist. Lovecraft was kind of a piece of work.
2: There's there's letters that exist between him and Robert E. Howard, the Conan guy, and Lovecraft is actually like stroking his neck beard, saying, "Well, you know, the thing the Nazis are doing isn't so bad."
1: Uh huh. Yep. Yep. But you're so
2: like, Lovecraft, huh? <laughs> If you can distance yourself from his horrible, horrible personality. And (laughs) anti-Semitism. And my favorite story he wrote is called Pickman's Model. And mainly I like it because it takes place in Salem. And it takes place in part uh, around the Pickman house. And The Pickman House is in Salem. It's a place that I do point out on the tour when we get Lovecraft fans, and they say it is the oldest house in Salem, even though it's been all restored and moved to a different location, but Lovecraft saw that house, and he got it into his mind that this was a very creepy, evocative-looking house, and from there... He started doing a little research on Salem and he came up with Samuel Wardwell, the last guy who was hanged as a witch in Salem. And Wardwell was interesting because in his case, they kept using the term wizard about him. And so Lovecraft concocted this totally fantastical tale of uh, Samuel Wardwell, the wizard and creepy stuff at the Pikmin house and Pikmin's model. And one thing that Lovecraft does in that story is he brings up the tunnels underground Salem. Now, there is so much controversy about the tunnels under Salem. Uh, there are people who believe it's a huge, major conspiracy, and it was all about smuggling, and somehow ended up with the Federal Reserve Bank. Other people think it was just like, eh, one or two delivery tunnels. But in Lovecraft's imagination, they stretched all the way from Salem to the north end of Boston.
1: Mm-hmm. In his, yeah, there's a whole, if if... Any of our listeners are Lovecraft fans. So, yeah, there's actually like a whole map you can find that pretty much covers um, from Salem to Boston. And it's and it covers like where it kind of falls into his mythos and his stories. Um, and it was so strange that when we initially were kind of walking around Salem prior to the tour, I was, I found myself very drawn to the Pikmin house because it is a very interesting house and sort of where it's positioned, but then not knowing until we took the tour that you had told me the connection with Lovecraft. And that's when I realized that that day we had gone to Marblehead and we have also found the Danvers State Hospital, which was... Arkham,
2: basically. Yeah, so you were prowling around in a <laughs> smell.
1: Yeah. yeah, we were, and I didn't even know.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you perked up when I mentioned the Grimshaw house. And you were like, ooh, there's a Lovecraft connection. Because sometimes we don't even mention the Pikmin house unless people are really into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Most,
2: most people, people know
1: Cthulhu, I think.
2: Came to Salem is because he was a Hawthorne fan. Uh, which is funny, because... Lovecraft, such a dark, creepy imagination, uh, also really bad views on life. (laughs) Hawthorne was kind of the other way. Hawthorne was almost like so moralizing. And it's funny to think that Lovecraft, the darkest, nastiest guy ever, was a fan of Hawthorne, who was just almost puritanical in his own way.
1: And I wonder if that connection comes from his family lineage with Judge Hathorne and and whatnot, if that maybe played into Nathaniel Hawthorne's sort of viewpoint, I wonder.
2: Yeah, Hawthorne, I'm not a Hawthorne expert. There are are people who know way more about Hawthorne than I do, but I do feel like his entire life he carried a real big chip on his shoulder because of that family connection. He felt really bad that his ancestor was involved in that terrible miscarriage of justice and Arthur, I, I think when you read his stuff it feels like he almost wants to set the world right, like to, to make up for it or something.
1: Like a redemption in a way. Right,
2: right. Yeah. Arthur, I think you know, some of his writing was looking for personal redemption even though it was his family who had done bad stuff and not him. Gotcha. He was an interesting character too. There was a period in his life where uh, he would just basically only wander around at night and during the day he would either sleep or do his writing but by night he'd wander all around the city that's oh my but gosh he must have been maybe a terrible tenant because you walk anywhere in Salem you see little signs like Paul Thorne lived here for a year he was always on the move oh
1: my goodness <laughs>
2: Like I, I don't know anything about how he behaved in his private rooms, right? But he was always needing a new home.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> he skip out on rent, just <laughs> bailed I out. Don't think, I don't think he did.
2: I, he doesn't seem like the type would skip out on rent. But for some reason, he just got pants in his pants and wanted to run. That's
1: some people are like that. They get bored, I guess. I. That's interesting though. That was something that I didn't even know about him. Again, yeah, because I'm I'm not a big I'm definitely more Lovecraft than I am Hawthorne, but
2: Right. Um my favorite author which connects to both of them is Poe. And I love how Isherel and Poe hated Hawthorne so much.
1: <laughs> you and I had a very interesting conversation about that because yeah. you noticed my Raven <coughs> tattoo. Um, yes. Oh, Bless you, all Casper. Right.
2: Sorry, about Casper that.
1: sneezed. Apologies. Oh, right. Um <laughs> we have terrible no, I mean, allergies here. It too? No, no, no pets. Just no, Ohio. Just has Ohio. Got allergies. Awful allergies.
0: <laughs> no joke. When we crossed the border to come back home, I started sneezing. I was like, "Yep, yeah, welcome home."
2: <laughs> Does Ohio still have that slogan that made me laugh every time? I remember working at the Ohio State Fair, and it
1: was like a caveman that designed the logo. It was just Ohio proud. Yes.
2: <sighs> okay.
1: Yeah, well, Ohio so, proud. Let's not talk about
2: it. Yeah. States
1: all around the country, and it was like New Mexico, the land of
2: enchantment. Virginia is for lovers, and then Ohio proud. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Ohio, I, there's a lot of Ohio is for lovers too, which I absolutely hate that saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really saying I'm and proud. I I don't like Ohio proud. either I'm like, are you sure
2: about that? <laughs> is is
0: Ohio for lovers?
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I, I we don't. We, we don't want to dog our own state.
2: We don't want to dog. No, our
1: own I'm going
0: to dog our own state because I sneeze five thousand times a day. So I'm going to dog my well, own.
2: Well, I should also
1: specify that where I we.
2: I can tell you that Columbus, Ohio, has some haunted stuff. If anybody's out there. Um, they do. The yeah, they do. The the old theater that was on High Street. It's all renovated and nice now but some years ago we were there and it was super
1: haunted. Mhm. I have heard of that. Yeah. Cincinnati's got some haunted places too. Yeah. Cincinnati ties into a lot of, uh, we're very close to Northern Kentucky and Newport has a lot of lore with, um, gangsters and oh, different yeah. things like that. And then of course, Cincinnati's tie, uh, along with the underground railroad and, and that type of thing, the rank and well, house. G- let
2: me give just a little quick, uh, little quick shout to Kentucky. If you've got any Kentuckians out there who want to take a ghost tour in Salem, you need to go on Spellbound, because it's the only one that's run by a Kentucky colonel. (laughs) Yes! Yes! (laughs) One of of, of the guests we had from the great state of Kentucky, uh, I I always used to joke I wanted to be a Kentucky colonel, and he did the paperwork, and uh, it went through. Sweet! So, yeah, if you're from Kentucky and want a Salem Ghost Tour, Spellbound is the one for you.
1: And we have a Kentucky Colonel, guys. That's really freaking cool. So. I don't know what
2: rights and privileges I have, but uh, it just feels pretty cool to say.
1: You should get, like, just free KFC for life, though, right? There would have to be some. Only. There would have to be some type of perk with that, I would think. Although,
2: I gotta tell you, I like Popeyes better.
1: It,
0: yeah. Y'all, Jocko's is the bomb. And I don't I know you don't even know what Jocko's is, but yeah, we, it's it's a
1: very local place literally nobody would know what you're talking about. Jocko's has the
0: best chicken in the world. Come to Ohio for that, if nothing else. Okay, you know
2: what? <laughs> Actually, let me let me say something nice about Ohio. There's a fried catfish place called Cat Daddy's. Best catfish I've ever eaten.
1: I have heard of that place. Never been there. I've I've heard of it and I absolutely love catfish. I don't
2: remember what town we were in, but they had like a little... Almost like a little food truck, and I had a beatnik-looking catfish painted on the side, and I would eat there every day.
1: We shouldn't dog Ohio, though. Ohio, had it a, is home. Go you know, there if
2: you have the chance.
1: Eat, eat the catfish for sure. It I'll is home. Check, if I'll have to check else, that place out for sure. It is home, and I there's goodness. a lot of history here. And there, well, the thing with Ohio is that mm-hmm. it being Ohio is very strange because it's a red state, so it's a conservative state, but there's very liberal cities in Ohio. So what
2: I felt when I lived in Minnesota, it was like old fashioned values, but the people were forward thinking.
1: That's what I've heard. I've never been to Minnesota, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, very it's much so. So it's nice very place. similar. If it didn't get so cold, it would be perfect. Uh, oh, it was really, really nice. I felt that way about Wisconsin and they're cheese <clears throat> right, right smack next to each other.
2: I don't know. I would say Wisconsin is for lovers.
1: I, w- I would have to agree. I've never been to Wisconsin. And it's probably the cheese. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. the cheese. Like
2: an aphrodisiac cheese.
1: I'm sure it, it would work for
2: me. If we're going
0: based on food, though, Buckeyes, it would work. Buckeyes for me are though. so
1: good. Okay. Yeah, but well, we have Did to specify for people that are not from Ohio because Buckeye
2: Buckeyes. When I was there, and most of the people I was working with were also from the Northeast, with some who were from you know down south. And we'd gone to Ohio. We had no idea what a Buckeye was. We <laughs> saw people all these shirts what, with the Buckeye on it. And right. the mascot was the Buckeye. And so I just asked this guy, I'm like, what's a Buckeye? And his response was perfect. He, it didn't really make any sense. But he said, I said, what's a Buckeye? And his response was, it's a worthless nut.
1: That's amazing. So- and it is. It is. Um but I should specify what Casper's saying because I'm like, honey, you're saying things that literally nobody from Ohio is going to know. Well, what you're I was going to what it was. Um, so the actual Buckeye is a nut, but um, we have a variation here. It is worthless. Um, it, it really is. But we have a variation here where essentially it's almost like peanut butter fudge that's dipped in chocolate. So it looks oh. like a Buckeye, but it's quite delicious. So. Those Buckeyes are not worthless. It's a Reese at, in a bowl. Sort of like a
2: cow's eye.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Basically, that's it. They kind of, we, we sort of stole the idea and just called it Buckeyes. I <laughs> Ohio just pretty good. It's what we do. They that's are, they quite the delicious. That's
0: not the worthless nut. But it's Buckeyes not. are
1: worthless nuts. Those are delicious. Um, so back to Salem. Uh, <laughs> I'm like we're Salem, not Ohio. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just absorbing all the local culture. I know, <laughs> I love it because there is. It's like I mean, an exchange. You got the Salem culture. Now I'm learning about the Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs> Worthless nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I we, you do. You really need to know the history of everywhere. It is important. Um it helps. the The other thing that I did um, want to mention too was. Um, So there were never, this is also a really common misconception that still a lot of people have with uh, Salem and the witch trials specifically, is that um, there weren't actually any witches burned at the stake in Salem. Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. That's something to just shout that to the
2: raptors. Yeah. Nobody in Salem was burned at the stake. There were inquisitions in Europe, in places like France and Italy and Spain. People were being burned by the thousands. In fact, some modern witches refer to it as the burning times, right. which, once again, most of the people being burned wouldn't have been witches. But here in Salem, we were a uh, British colony and we were supposed to be implementing English law. And so nobody here got burned at the stake. Right. Even though there was a movie that takes place in Salem called Burned at the Stake, nobody got burned at the stake here. There were no burnings. Okay, Uh, good. There there was one case, one horrible case, where uh, a Native American village uh, settlement was burned down in retribution for something as punishment. That was a puritan burning at the stake thing. There was also one guy in Boston who was burned for committing arson, but there was no witch burning, never at all.
1: I'm I'm glad we definitely put... So those were definitely two things that I'm glad we definitely put to rest, is about and, where the witches were buried and there were no witches burned at the stake. Because even in and, 2019, people still believe that.
2: Right, and of course they do, because it's just such a fixture in popular culture. And another thing to keep in mind is, in Salem, there was no dunking a witch or swimming a witch either.
1: Ah, uh, okay, okay. That That idea,
2: uh, they they did do that in the United States during the witch trials in Connecticut, but the idea was that if someone was suspected of witchcraft, they would be uh, tied up and dunked into a body of water. And if they sank and if they drowned, that meant they were not a witch, but it was okay because they probably went to heaven. But on the other hand, if they came bobbing up and survived, it meant they were a witch and they were going to get hanged. So if somebody was dunking or swimming a witch that presumed, which was going to lose either way.
1: Yeah. You're literally damned. If you do damned, if you don't, so we
2: did not do that here in Salem.
1: Right. Okay, good. I'm glad we definitely put that to rest. So everybody knows, um, there was also something that was really interesting. This was another, uh, debunking quickly before we get into more of the history that even surprised me on the tour because, I came to believe this um, over the course, I'd say, of about the last five years or so, is the ergot poisoning thing. A lot of people still believe in, in that. Right. Ergot
2: poisoning used to be a really popular theory to uh, explain why people were acting so wild during the witch hysteria, and it seems like a good theory. The idea is that ergot, this fungus, will grow on moldy rye bread and get into the food system and the water and if you eat it you'll get high it's got a very hallucinogenic effect it's similar to lsd right and that sounds like well that could explain why people were seeing things but when you break it down the kind of air gut that would have been growing on the old moldy bread in salem had side effects that were way worse than hallucinogenics and if you ate air gut, you would get nonstop vomiting and diarrhea. Uh, you would get very sick, and there were also leprosy-type systems, like your extremities would start to rot and decay and fall off. Oh and my there God. was not a single case of that kind of thing in Salem, so we can we can write off the ergot poisoning idea. But the reason I think that ergot got into the public consciousness so much was during the 1960s when there was a resurgence in interest in witchcraft and alternative religions and stuff like that, people did go looking to Salem and try to start figuring out what was up. And because of the drug culture at the time, the air god seemed really, really popular, and people latched onto it. And then in the early 1980s, there was a very popular TV show called In Search Of.
1: Oh, yes. Like
2: a paranormal unsolved mysteries hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Yep. And they did an excellent episode about the Salem witch trials. They went into history, and they got the best version of history at the time. They talked to modern witches like Laurie Cabot, and my friend Therese was in the episode a little bit. But then they proposed the god Poisoning Theory, and that show was seen by millions and millions and millions of people. And it you know still gets rerun sometimes today. Yep. And I think that's why the Ergot idea got so just ingrained in public consciousness.
1: Yeah, so we'll let listeners know it's not like a peyote trip. It's literally the worst food poisoning you could ever have in your life, and with, your limbs will fall poisoning. off. With leprosy. You with leprosy.
0: That. Oh, I got food poisoning. My arm's falling off. One
2: thing I can say, right? the uh, British TV show Ripper Street, uh, I started watching... And there was a plot where people were getting sick and they said, Ergot. And I started screaming at the television, like, no, I can't escape this stuff. And then on the very next scene, they were all vomiting and pooping themselves. And, like, yes, finally they got it right. Oh, somebody finally, got it right. Finally, finally, we have a media depiction of Ergot that is accurate.
1: <laughs> My limbs are falling off. As disgusting as it is, <laughs> if very, very, very accurate. Um, it's so great. Fun cause People will say it on the tour, and sometimes there are people who you can tell are, like,
2: into the drug culture themselves. they like, yeah, it was mushrooms. Like, uh, no, I'm sorry. No. No. no it, it wasn't your people's stuff. Mm-mm. You can enjoy mushrooms and be safe and have fun, but if you eat air gut, you're going to die.
1: Yeah, it's what's going to happen to you. It's no fun <laughs> at all. Um, so that that kind of brings us into the the way everything sort of started with the witch trials and just this very 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 puritanical society. Um, with it, you start mixing religious hysteria in that, and then I that's kind of where the the story goes with Tituba, and that's that if you can kind of go more more into kind of how it started and how that really sort of
2: absolutely brought in the hysteria
1: part
2: tituba is honestly my favorite person in the whole witch trials drama but before we get to tituba i gotta give you a little bit of background on salem at the time like these people were extremely stressed out uh the because massachusetts at the time was not a state it was merely a colony it was part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony or something even previous to that and these people were totally reliant on protection from the crown of England and England had recently revoked their charter and they just barely gotten it back so these were people who were really scared that they weren't going to have any anyone getting their back these were just a bunch of people all alone out in the wilderness also there were constant fights uh, there were there was battles and wars going on with the indigenous people and a lot of the folks in Salem had lost family members to those fights a lot of the girls who were freaking out during the witch trials that lost their fathers that lost their brothers that lost their potential boyfriends and some of them had come from relatively high stations and then were relegated to be, basically being servants in other people's homes because their male providers were gone. So these were people who were scared both of the imaginary devil in their midst, that their puritanical religion had drilled into them, but they were also scared of the Indians who were an actual physical threat. And they were also scared of the fact that England was just going to say, all right, we're done with you guys and leave them abandoned in the woods. So that sounds pretty stressful, right?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, I... I... Yeah, I'm stressed out listening to you. Right, it's stressful just, just like hearing it. I mean, you've got all of...
0: <laughs> you're like talking about this, and I'm sitting here like,
1: stressed. <laughs> I'm like, hashtag first world problems.
2: <laughs> well, honestly, to put it very simply, their life sucked. It was yeah. awful. Um, And so they were Puritans, too. And the Puritans were a Christian sect. And... They were not like the Christians we think about today. Like, a lot of Christians, they are really nice people, and it's just, you know, as normal as any other religion. But uh, Christianity, I mean. But the Puritan version of Christian was extremely harsh. Like, they were so extremely uptight. Their entire life was just all about prayer and hoping to ascend to heaven, and they... I didn't really do anything. Like, if you look at Puritan diaries from the time, I remember doing some research and finding some really old material, and it was a young woman's diary from that time period, and I thought it was going to have some salacious details, but no, it was like this poor girl just writing, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. Could you imagine if your, like, 16-year-old diary was just that?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. First of all, I hope, I, I, I would never want anybody to find my 16-year-old diary. Second of all, <laughs> yeah, my 16-year-old diary was a bit more scandalous than I, mean, tell I you prayed. tell was a lot more scandalous <laughs> than anybody back that in the Puritan times.
2: I was hoping we'd see, like, some Puritan trysts behind the barn. But,
1: right.
2: You know, just, and I prayed.
1: Like some actual, well, I guess that kind of makes sense why now Arthur Miller gave so much artistic license to the Crucible. Because if it was really written as it was then, it would have been pretty boring until it would have gotten up to the... June 9th.
2: There, there, were, there were people who were living fuller lives, but the Puritans, it was like Westboro Baptist Church oh. level
0: craziness. Oh God. June 9th, 1692. And I prayed. And I prayed. June 10th, 1692.
1: <laughs> and, and I, I prayed. prayed.
0: <laughs> Some more. Um, and then June 11th, guess what so I did today?
1: I, I prayed. prayed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, so wow.
2: Let's, let's get things, make it even worse. So these stressed out, scared people who had to go to church all the time. It was winter 1692. It was super cold. And they couldn't really do anything. They were basically housebound. And the girls were treated worse than the male Puritans. They weren't getting much in the way of education. They were just supposed to do chores for their family. When they got a little older, they'd get married off. And uh, sometimes they didn't even pick their own partners. They didn't have much to look forward to. They would die in childbirth and get sick and die of disease. Whereas the male Puritans at least could, you know, think about having some semblance of a career these girls were just like baby factories who were going to die. And it was a cold winter, and they were miserable. And then comes Tichuba. Now, Tichuba was a slave, and to the best of our knowledge, she was not of African descent. The, the old mythology of Tichuba is that she was a black lady, but she was most likely from the Arawak tribe in South America. The reason that we think of Tituba as a black person is because of the manifests in the slave ships uh, would just lump all the slaves together, yep. and also they referred to evil things as black. They're like, oh, that that black thing, that black slave. And that was right. like saying evil or wicked slave. And also, when Arthur Miller wrote *The Crucible*, he just assumed slave equals of African descent. Yep. But when you look at Tituba, her very name, Tituba, is very close to the name of a particular river from the area where she was probably captured. Um, a, a person captured to be sold into slavery wouldn't necessarily tell their name; they'd just be given whatever name. And Tituba's husband. This is really telling. He was named John Indian. Wow. wow. Yep. The slavers we had this great habit when they would capture somebody and they didn't want to give their name because the name has power. They would say, all right, what's kind of an Anglo name? John. You're an Indian. You're John Indian now. And Titula, considering the her name and her husband's name, Pretty conclusively, and then when you look at the slave ship manifest of where she was from, where she was taken from, definitely Native American from South America, not from African descent, but she ended up in Barbados where she was working on a sugar plantation. She was forced into service there, and she did live amongst the African people. And from them, she absorbed their culture and their belief system. She started doing stuff their way. But when the white plantation masters would come around, the slaves all just had to cover it up and sweep it onto the rug and say that the rituals and everything was to honor the Christian saints that were being forced on them. Right, And that combination of African religion, Native religion, Christianity, all that stuff co-mingled that evolved into something that was very similar to what we would call voodoo. And Tituba was probably practicing this similar to voodoo faith. Now, she ended up being purchased by Reverend Paris. And it's terrible to think the guy who becomes minister has slaves, but he does. And he ends up in Salem, minister of Salem. And his... Kids start hanging out with Tichuba. Now, Tichuba is really exotic to them because she's somebody from somewhere else, someone who's interesting. She has all these wild stories and folklore to tell the kids, and they just eat it up. Tichuba is like the only entertainment they have. She's the only thing that's secular, she's the only thing that's exciting. And they just go and they hang out with Tichuba and listen to her wild stories, but they feel guilty about it. Because these girls aren't supposed to be into that kind of thing. And the guilt just starts eating them up and eating them up. But they keep going to her anyway. Because really, what other fun do they have other than seeing Tituba? And of course they get caught. And what do you think happens then?
1: Well, there you go. It's immediate. It's devil worship. (laughs) It's devil worship. They panic. They freeze up. They scream. They twitch.
2: They speak in tongues. And it's because they're stressed out. Like, you know how physical symptoms can be brought on by stress. Yes. And these girls are scared of the consequences that could come from their parents. They're scared of the consequences that could come from the church, uh, all because they were spending time visiting with Tituba and listening to the stuff that they shouldn't have been exposed to. And when they get the easy out that says, oh, you're bewitched, they latch right onto it.
1: And then there, and then there you go from there. It's just, it just uh,
2: explodes from there.
1: Mass hysteria everywhere.
2: Two, two of the girls really took advantage of it, and eventually they ended up regretting it. After the witch trials was all said and done, a couple of years later, one of the girls issued this really lame statement, saying that we were so sorry. Their quote was, "It was all for sport."
1: Oh, because that just makes up for all of these innocent lives being <sighs> murdered, basically.
2: That was the best apology she could muster.
1: That's quite... The, that's Honestly,
0: that's the best apology I've ever heard, damn.
2: She <laughs> <I was laughs> like, worked real hard on that. <laughs> Judge Seward, one of the judges from the court of Oyer and Terminer, one of the witch trial judges, he was haunted by guilt forever. He eventually penned this really... You know, verbose, flowery, heartfelt apology. And he was one of the ones who was doing the sentencing. But the girls who set the whole powder tech off, eh, it was all for sport.
1: So there was virtually just no no empathy, nothing, no sympathy. They were just, they just, that's just how they passed it off.
2: Right. It was Salem's dirty secret. It was shameful. The people who were involved in it, once people came to their senses, they wanted to be done with it. They they were so embarrassed by what happened. They felt bad about it, and they just went on with their lives and covered it up. Those
1: girls needed to be locked the fuck up. Uh, does anyone know what happened to any of them after? Um, is there any record of that? Like, did any of them stay? Yeah, s- sure. they, okay. just, they just went about their lives.
0: Wow. Wow, because I could live with myself knowing that I killed... 19 you were responsible for I was responsible for 19 people dying for no fucking reason. Yeah, that, well, I could we're live gonna with my going to say 19
1: hanged, giles Corey 19 Prince, hanged. so 20 and who knows how many may
2: have died in the dungeon too. That's uh, true. Oh yeah, so like 20 plus
1: waiting trial, the
2: people who got sick in the dungeon,
1: yeah. Right. That yes, that is true. Um that actually did want to, I did want to get, uh, now that you've mentioned Giles Corey, that was something really, really, really interesting on the tour to find out about him, because he and I, I you know, The Crucible, I I have to keep going back to The Crucible, because I, I really believe that that's kind of everybody's first introduction to it, as it was mine, because it was sort of preferred reading back in English class, and just, you know, they just threw the crucible at everybody. And then of yeah, course the movie, nothing
2: wrong with, nothing it's wrong with great, it. It's a great piece of theater. It's a great piece of, I don't want to call it popular history, It but is. It, it's a good, really good jumping off place for learning about the witch trials.
1: Very much so. Um, and that was something I wanted to bring up about Giles Corey. That was very interesting that you mentioned during the tour that people do have this misconception that he was this very kindly old man and, this just poor guy that they that they wrongly accused, and they pressed him to death, and it was so awful, and that really was not the case at
2: all. No, Giles Corey was like an angry, obstinate old jerk. He was not a nice guy, and neither was his wife. His wife was like a notorious social climber who was trying to work her way up in the court, uh, not in the court, in the church. And Giles Corey was just kind of being dragged to church by her. He wasn't well-liked by the people in the community. If you look in the court records, there were, like, feuds between him and everybody else. Not a nice guy. Oh, jeez. But he actually beat one of
1: his servants to death. And to make it even worse, the guy he beat to death was kind of a simpleton. Oh, no. You know, Giles Corey got mad at this guy, took his cane,
2: and just bludgeoned him to death. He didn't die immediately, either. He suffered for a few days after and then just eventually succumbed to the uh, the skull crushing and the brain damage followed up by Giles Corey.
1: And didn't he actually accuse one of his wives of witchcraft as well?
2: He did. He certainly did. Giles Corey, uh, I mean, maybe he resented the fact she dragged him to church. Oh my
1: gosh.
2: (laughs) He did accuse her, and legend has it he laughed when she was found guilty. Now, there's no way to prove if that's true. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was dead when she was found guilty. But that's just the way people thought of Giles Corey at the time.
1: I know how I'll get back at this bitch for dragging me to church. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's, that's you know, doing a little, like,
0: I'm going to make her sick is one thing. But, like, I'm going to get her hanged.
2: Wait, did you say make her sick? Are you one of those, uh, the Munchausen people? <laughs>
0: Well, shit, he figured me out. Ah, darn it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you exposed the secret. Oh, that was my secret, man. <laughs> uh, well,
2: maybe you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just... we'll just. nasty guy.
0: Yeah. And so, it was very interesting, too, like, on the tour when yes. you were talking about it and you were like, he's basically buried, like, below where we were standing. That sh- That kind of shook me a bit. Right. Well, one thing is, there is a piece of folklore that says that
2: Giles Corey was pressed to death and killed in what's now the Howard Street Cemetery. Now, the Howard Street Cemetery is a place where we don't take the tours anymore. And that's because a few years ago, part of that cemetery actually started to cave in a little bit. So if you walk around in exactly the wrong part of Howard Street, you might sink into somebody's grave. Ooh. Now, During the days of the witch hysteria, Howard Street Cemetery would have been part of the field where Giles Corey was pressed. It was not an active cemetery at the time. It was just part of the field. And in 1914, before the Great Fire of 1914 destroyed the city of Salem, people claimed that they saw an apparition of Giles Corey in Howard Street Cemetery. That's how he gets connected to that site. But to the best of real knowledge and history, he was pressed basically where that parking lot was where I had you stand.
0: And for whatever reason... I got the heebie-jeebies just, after you
1: said that. I was like, oh... <laughs> sort of made it's
2: me... It's entirely possible that we all were standing on him that night.
1: It sort of made me think of a variation of that Joni, Mitchell's, Joni Mitchell song. Like... Paved, engraved, and put up a parking lot, so (laughs) I couldn't resist. It was like the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, oh, wow, definitely not paradise uh, by any means, especially after what happened to him.
2: One of Um, the strangest things I saw ever at that site was uh, it was an afternoon tour, and we had two teenage girls with us, and one of them was wearing a little crucifix necklace, and her friend was kind of teasing her, like, oh, you better hold on to that thing. And right as I was telling the story about Giles Corey, the whole tour group saw the crucifix basically get yanked off her neck by nothing.
1: He really didn't like going to church yeah, he was he, he was tired of church.
2: It landed like two feet away from this girl, and she panicked. and I was shaken to him I'm trying to tell the stories. I'm like, what, wow, something really happened that was weird
0: yeah i would have I would have had to stop for a minute and be like, did y'all see that? Uh, please oh, did. tell me
1: everybody saw really that. Did. Oh my God.
2: And we had another case too, because you know how when people see Giles Corey, tragedy is supposed to follow. Right. Um, there was one night I remember it because this young woman really thought she'd seen Giles Corey. She saw in her mind's eye this elderly guy looking angry at her and nobody else saw him. I didn't see him. Nobody saw him or felt anything. But she was convinced that Giles Corey was with us. Well, about a year later, she came on the tour again and I remembered her because she made quite an impression with her Giles Corey sighting and I asked her, I'm like, so did anything happen? The very next day, she'd gone to the doctor for a checkup. They found cancer. Amazingly, Luckily, they found it in time. She recovered and went into remission. And as far as I know, she's fine today. But the day after she thought she saw Giles Corey is when she got like the worst diagnosis you can think of.
1: Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. So if people aren't convinced by now, (laughs) after listening to our podcast, this stuff happens.
2: It really happens. I'm very pleased I've never seen Giles Corey.
0: I'm very pleased I, I didn't remember? see him either. I, I know, when you were telling that, I was like, please don't let me see him, please don't let me see him, please don't let me see him. Well, <laughs> I, think, I
2: think you'll appreciate this. Uh, you may have noticed around the visitor center there's a uh, particular grizzled old homeless guy with a big beard.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 we sure did.
2: Nice guy, He's he's totally harmless, he's a local character, he's been around forever. But one night I was giving the tour... And it was back when we were allowed to go into Howard Street Cemetery. And all of a sudden, like the whole group screamed. I'm like, what? Well, they saw an apparition of a disheveled old man. It was him. He had just passed out behind the graves and woken up.
1: Oh, my goodness. You want to talk went. about a
2: heart attack? That's hilarious. I, I asked him, I was like, can you do this every night for <laughs> us? <laughs> He was like, not happy with that idea.
1: Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, it would have been great. Like, dude, I will pay you. This is just right. like, price I'll, I'll give you five to... bucks a night to do the this. Or, the like... poor guy
0: just fell asleep behind the graves. He was just
2: trying to take a nap, and we interrupted it. And Uh-oh. everybody thought that's Dean Giles Corby.
1: Gosh. Well, <laughs> and you know what? If you're going if you're, if, if, you're to get your most peaceful nap in a cemetery. Right? <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> speaking of homeless stuff, and this ties back to Danvers State Asylum... When, oh yes, please do. Day, which was extremely <laughs> terrible, terrible, notorious asylum. It was uh, way back when it was extremely therapeutic, top of the line. We thought it was the best asylum anywhere. Yes. But by the 1980s, it had devolved and was basically like a torture farm.
1: Right.
2: Uh, this place pioneered the suborbital lobotomy. It was just churning out sad, brainless ghouls. But the 1980s budget crisis when Ronald Reagan cut all the mental health funding Danvers State was shut down well the folks who didn't have families to take them or other institutions they could be shuttled to ended up getting bus tickets to Salem oh, oh my wow. God. some of the elderly bums you'll see around are former Danvers State inmates
1: oh that is heartbreaking that's yeah. horrible
2: but Dan. Danvers State is a very creepy
1: place. Yeah, when um, was, when it, when we it went it there, painting. so <laughs> how did
2: how did you feel?
1: Did you see anything? Um, it's not what we saw; it's what we felt. It's what we felt. So to to give our idea, if give our listeners an idea, um, we actually found out. I I, I personally had known about Danvers State from uh, previous paranormal shows I had watched, and also the uh, connection between Arkham and H.P. Lovecraft.
0: Pardon that, that's thunder. That was thunder, very... by the
1: way. That was not H P Lovecraft. Wow.
2: We're
0: okay. having very bad weather over here right now, so sorry. Actually that was my stomach, you know? <laughs>
2: You two kind of went out for a second. Can you repeat like the last maybe thirty seconds? Yes. Oh no, I'm sorry. It,
0: it was it was probably the storm.
1: It's it's storming again. So. Yeah, we we heard a lot of thunder, and we just wanted to let our listeners know that that couldn't have been better timing. But that was not HP Lovecraft. That was, was really just...
0: creepy because we're like
1: Danvers State Hospital. Cue thunder. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. Perfect. I, I couldn't hear any of that. So okay, there's, we apologize.
1: Yeah, there there is a bit of a storm here, so the thunder kind of threw everything a off. Storm
2: of witchcraft.
1: I oh, yeah. right. Perfect timing. Oh, for Someone's got to
0: hang now.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm the only witch here, so well, I, I would I a, do a bit take offense to that. I would not I do that. that. Yeah, yeah but no, you wouldn't. have to hang someone who isn't a
0: witch. Remember, That's because true. they were all not witches. That's true. So that would be me. That would be you. <laughs> um, you oh, Christian. Hey, hey, do what?
2: Are we hanging Casper?
0: We're hanging I Casper. I am the Christian here, so I guess that would be...
1: <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> You're the witch. Um... <laughs> well, I don't know. All, all those Puritans were Christians, so I'll, I'll start getting my nooses ready. That's
0: fine. <laughs> let, 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 let me tell you something. I am not one of them, though.
1: Woo! I will be the, <laughs> the Tituba in this story, and I will be pointing fingers at everybody. <laughs> well,
2: that makes sense, because you are you are my favorite.
1: I th- thank you. I appreciate that. Um, let, me, let me give a little book plug. Speaking of Tituba... Please do, yes. If everybody
2: listening wants to read what is one of the most essential texts on the witch, witch trials, it's called Tituba, Reluctant Witch of Salem. Put it on your Amazon list. Buy it now. The author is a lady named Elaine Breslau, and she was the one who really broke the story about Tituba's true lineage and heritage. And she was the one I learned from this book that tituba probably had a daughter also named tituba who would have been about the same age as the girls who were involved in the witch trials
1: oh wow really?
2: yeah so everybody buy that book it's out of print but you can get it for pennies on amazon it's yes. really really good
1: i will uh, i'll have to add that to my
2: list for sure well you know if, if you want i've got a spare copy just uh text me your address. I'll put it in the mail when
0: I finally go to the post office. Oh, that's awfully sweet of you. Thanks, dude. Oh, special
1: Anytime. little perks. If
0: you know, I, I can perks. make people learn about Tituba,
2: I've done my good deed for the day.
0: That's awesome. We Well, we appreciate You're teaching us a, a lot of things, but... Um,
2: well, go ahead go ahead and fact check me. I always encourage that, because
1: sometimes I'm wrong, and if I am, I want to know. Exactly, because it's just... <laughs> it's more research for you, too, so... It's fun,
2: which is some of the, the part of this whole thing I I love doing the research
1: um so getting back to uh finding out about Danvers State Hospital so I was familiar with it I don't know why we were staying in Danvers I don't know why I didn't happen to put two and two together but I guess HP Lovecraft was somewhere because we happened to be at Marblehead and uh someone had mentioned to us when we were at Marblehead hey if you guys are staying in Danvers there's the state hospital there and my eyes got as big as saucers and I was like, Oh yeah. my gosh, I, I can't, we were seven minutes away from it. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and the guy happened to be telling us a story about his brother who actually, so for our listeners, Danvers, um, most of the building except for the facade, which they call the Kirkland after, ta- uh, or Kirkbright. I'm sorry after the doctor or no Kirkland. I apologize. Dr. Kirkbride, Kirkland. Kirkbride, you're right Kirkbride, Kirkbride. Um, so they call it the Kirkbride building and the facade of the building is the only thing that's left in 2006. They actually tore down all of the original, uh, hospital and they're all very, very expensive condos now.
2: Well, here, let me clarify a little bit with that. Uh, What exists now is part of the Kirkbride building.
1: Oh, okay. Thank Uh, you uh, for correcting me. Originally, that that, that first, that, that part you see that looks like
2: it could be part of the hospital, that was part of the Danvers State Building. Okay. Originally, it was built on what was called the Kirkbride Plan. The idea was you'd have that nice big central area, which you saw... And on each side, it had two really long wings radiating off of it. Yes. And you would have the craziest patients in the furthest wings. And as they got better, they'd kind of be shifted closer and closer and closer to the front door. That's like an oversimplification of the therapeutic process they were doing, but that's how they did it. Like, if you were on, like, coming in, if you were, like, a donor or a do-gooder who wanted to see the hospital they'd keep you kind of in the first couple of wings but the people they really needed help or they okay. really didn't know what to do with they would put them in the furthest furthest corner
1: oh thank you for clarifying that i'm i'm but glad that, to know that the first part you see that that big y looking thing yes that
2: is part of Danvers state that is totally worked over now but it is part of the old architecture
1: right um because they did yeah because that's really that's pretty much the only part that's that's still standing. Um, What the guy was telling us was that his brother, so behind that is the the pool for the condo. And he said his brother was a part of, you know, building that pool and, and everything. And he said, as soon as they started, you know, digging and putting the pool in is when a lot of really strange activity started happening to him. And he didn't go into detail about it, but he said, if you guys have a chance to find it, you should find it. Well, we did. You should tell him about the night before. Um, well, that's true. The night before, we went to try to look for it. I don't know why we were going to try to look for it at night, but hey, whatever. what is cool at night. When in You're Salem... Well, no, the actual building. Oh. Um, yeah, so the building itself, um, we saw pictures at night how the front facade of the building, they light up, and it's pretty creepy looking. So we went to try to find it. Um, now, one thing I could I should say, and I know that there's sometimes links with uh, paranormal activity and electronics, my GPS just was so out of whack when we were trying to find the building and that's not usually something normal that happens but we weren't able to find it at night um weird we we sort of drove around though we were on the property Um, and I think from where we found it during the day, we were kind of around the back end. So that was, we ended up finding out, I think that's actually where the graves are. And what's actually really weird too, is that
0: she had stopped the car because she was trying to figure out where we were in vicinity to the building. And the only thing in my head was, I want to get the fuck out of this area. And I wanted to get the fuck out of there too, but I
1: didn't know where
0: we were. I know because she's trying to figure out like where the hell we were. We were trying to find the building, but when she, she actually stopped the car at one point, because and it was just this field, it was just like an empty, dark, and it was and so pitch dark. It's dark. It's so and I was dark like, back then. Everything in me was
1: like, please leave, please leave, please leave, please leave. I was like, please get out of this place. It doesn't it's feel an right. Intense place. It's very intense, and you could, we, it's, it, I mean, and it makes sense because of what happened right. there. Well, when, then they if-
2: were, when they were gutting it, when they were
1: tearing it down and turning it into condos, right.
2: the construction workers hated doing it. Mm-hmm. They would put their tools down. At the end of the workday, they'd call it quits and they'd go home. The next day, everything was wrecked. Stuff was thrown all over the place where they didn't leave it. I believe it. And there were... There were fires a couple of times too, Jesus. like during the construction. It just emoliated itself for no reason. Oh my gosh,
1: I, I could totally believe it. There are a yeah. lot of very angry, angry, angry spirits there. Um. One so
2: thing that happened to me was after Denver State had been long abandoned, but way before the condo process. Uh, the woman who I studied with, a woman named Molly Stewart, who in the '90s was one of the best paranormal I- investigators in the world. She and I went to investigate Danvers State. We got in there, and we heard what sounded like gunshots coming right at us. And Ooh. we both thought we were done for. There was nobody in that hallway. And it was like an unmistakable gun-sounding blast. Mm-hmm. And it was just her and I alone in there. And it was like somebody who wasn't there was shooting at us. It was so creepy. Mm.
1: Wow, I can totally believe it.
2: Yeah. After, when you two, after we when went you there, were, when you were investigating, when you were poking around up there, did you find the cemetery?
1: We did not find the cemetery. No. Um. So when we when we ended up going back during the day, and we we ended up finding the building. Um, there's a very small memorial uh, kind of across from the parking lot. It's sort of funny how they like really try not to bring any attention to the fact that this place was such an awful oh, yeah. hospital and everything that happened there. I mean, even the plaque in front of the building when you first walk in makes the place sound like it was so nice. And they talk about, you know, uh, well, they I did like the fact that they gave the history about the tie-in with you know, Hathorne, and it was Hathorne Hill at one time b- before the hospital was built there. Um, and then they mentioned the Kirk Bride and all that. So they, 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 they it's like, of course, they wouldn't want, you know, they, they're very expensive condos. They don't want people, I would, you know, imagine they wouldn't want people to know that history. I
2: don't know, if, if I bought like a townhouse in there, I'd call it like Lobotomy Square or
1: something. Right? Because I want to live on that. You would think they would
0: embrace that. <laughs> Where do you live? Lobotomy Square. Lobotomy Square.
1: Oh, great. That sounds like a great place. I'll be place. over for you Thanksgiving. Know, you know they... Ch- <laughs> <laughs> you know
2: they... Ch- <laughs> Sorry. Well, that, that killed me. I don't
0: know. <laughs> He's like, that was really funny. <laughs>
1: Holidays at Lobotomy Square.
0: Oh, yay! (laughs) Where we serve you, you don't know what the fuck we're (laughs) serving you. I'm
2: I'm imagining one of those commercials for like a nice gated community.
1: Oh, that's so great!
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's like this really calm, soothing voice from this man who's like, have you ever wanted to go to Lobotomy Square and have a holiday?
2: (laughs) Right. It's easy. Oh. Just this ice pick and the hammer.
0: <laughs> Have we got the place for you.
2: <laughs> completely stress-free and you won't remember anything. Want
1: anything ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> talking about condos. Oh, jeez.
2: <laughs> they turned the old Salem jail into condos, too.
1: Really? Oh, wow. my God. That's right. They did. And what? Y- How haunted is
2: that shit? Extremely haunted. I
1: could only Um, imagine. Like,
2: I, I can tell you, before it was condos, we would sneak into it, and that was crazy. But it's even more haunted now, I feel like,
1: because it seems like they're not happy that people are living in there. No. And I would imagine it would be the same way as Danvers. So we like walk in-,
2: in Salem. If you, if you look at the people who live in the, the jail condos, they are people who have moved to Salem from out of town. People who like born and raised in Salem do not want to be in there. Even if they can afford it, they are not going to live in the old jail.
0: That makes total sense. Yeah, I wouldn't fucking want to live in the old jail. Research the land you're living on. I
2: tried to move in there twice. I tried to move in with roommates, and they said no way. I tried to move in with my ex-wife. She said no way. And the Salem jail condos, Salem, everything's expensive. But you can still afford a place in the Salem jail. I wonder why. Oh. Well.
1: Well, I would rather just not. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't care if it was the cheapest place to live. I would sleep in oh, my that, car. Oh my
0: God, $50 a month. That's great.
1: No.
2: <laughs> but you, you know how terrible the old Salem jail was, right?
1: I know you it went, was. yeah, you yeah, went to a little bit of that in, on yeah.
2: tour, how
1: small the cells were and no, just, no, no, no. Oh no, you're talking
2: about the witch dungeon. Oh no. Yeah. yeah the the dungeon. dungeon. I'm
1: sorry. You're right. The witch, the witch dungeon.
2: All that horror. We are far removed from it. That was 1692. The Salem jail was still open into the 1990s. And wow. it was so cells that had been built for two people and up to six people at a time crammed in them. There were still cells that didn't have plumbing fixtures. Oh, God. Like there were people who were incarcerated in the Old Salem jail within our lifetime, we just had buckets to go to the bathroom
0: in Oh Jesus Christ. Like that
2: the old Salem jail was so bad. That the prisoners sued the state of Massachusetts for cruel and inhumane treatment, and they won the case. Oh, wow. And like, you know how bad, how bad does a jail have to be so that the prisoners can sue? Like, we treat our incarcerated people in this country so terribly, but these guys won the case. That's how torturous the old Salem jail was.
0: That's saying people something for them to actually... In there. For them to actually like was, win the case, that's saying something. It
2: was it was the longest continually open jail in American history. Like I think they started building it in eighteen eleven. It opened proper in eighteen thirteen, and there were still people stuck in there within our lifetime.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. uh, definitely Mm-mm. don't want to live there. No. Yeah. Don't want to live there no. at all. know like,
2: weirdest investigations we did was in there we got we got EVP we got shadow figures on film I I want to live there you know what I I think I've changed my mind. I'm not going to buy that condo next to the graveyard. I'm going to buy a big condo in the old Salem jail. He's
1: like, I've convinced myself.
2: Here. He's like,
0: this
1: whole time I've been talking, I'm like, yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's going to happen. And as long as the dog doesn't mind, we're moving to the Exactly, jail. yeah. The dog's got to be in favor, though. Um, that actually goes what? back to our Danver story. Um, so, if you want
2: to move to the jail, no, he's passed out. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm sleeping. I'm not even paying attention. Ask me tomorrow. Get um,
2: used to this stuff every night.
1: <laughs> when we walked into when we walked into the uh, Danvers building, so we walk in and it just looks like a very well. First of all, there's a lot of even touching the door. I'm maybe it's not the original door. I'm guessing they probably just maybe aged it. But there's a lot of energy, even from the beginning, walking yeah. through the threshold into the lobby. And it's a very modern lobby. I mean, it, it looks like any modern apartment lobby you'd walk into when, you know, there's chairs, there's a coffee machine, there's a TV. Of all things... A TV playing a haunted show, talking about Of all things, too. Them, yeah. Well, no, no, were, no. They wait. were playing like a- Yes. Yeah. It wasn't about Danvers though. The episode no. wasn't about that, but we just happened to walk in and of all things, they have a, a a ghost hunters show on. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now. So these ladies walk in and they were asking us where a bathroom was. And we said, we don't know. We're from out of town. Um, And we started feeling more and more and more uncomfortable. And I just kept saying to myself and kept repeating to myself, why would anybody want to live here? Because it just was immediate heebie-jeebies from the entire time we were in there. So we're getting ready to walk out and leave because we both were like, we got to get out of here. There's just so much awful negative energy in here. Well, as we were leaving, the lady's dog, and again, going back to animals having this sort of sixth sense, this dog would not stop whimpering and barking the entire time it was in there. Now, mind you, we saw this lady with her dog
0: outside walking up to Damn, it. The dog was the fine. The dog was fine. It was not barking. It was not doing anything
1: until it walked into that building. Yep.
2: That's that's so creepy. That should be a sign right there.
1: And it kept... It was almost as if the dog was going, Okay, Mom, let's go. Let's get out of here. Like it let's sounded go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, let's
0: go. It was like... Like, it it sounded so scared. And I was like, if the dog is scared, then I'm scared. Let's get
1: out. Yeah, we both were. (laughs) That solidified it at that point. If this dog is that terrified, like, we got to get the hell out of here. You two were done.
2: It was time to go. Yeah, we were done. Well,
1: have you ever felt a weighted
0: blanket?
2: I, I cannot say that
0: I have. They're usually around, what, 10 to 15 pounds or something like that? Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, They basically make them to make you feel a little bit more secure under them. It helps you feel warmer. Is it um, a dog's thunder vest kind of thing? Similar, uh, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, like a comfort, okay. like a hug sort so of thing, yeah. So, walking into that building, the best way I can put it is if someone put one of those weighted blankets on top of you. Yep.
2: Well, that's
1: awful. I hate it when people hug me. And it... <laughs> Personal space, right? <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> no touchy, no touchy, Gee, no touchy. Off. But no that's touchy. how
0: that's how it, that's how heavy it felt. Very, it heavy. was just, it was so heavy. Yeah, that's remarkable, but that's for steak for you. It it really is. Yeah, it was so. kind of crazy though, seeing how old it looked on the outside and then walking into that extremely modern. That looking. was that was very weird.
1: That was weird because you were expecting to walk in and have it be set up the way it was when it was still a functioning hospital you well, expected denver, that
2: the reputation of denver state is so wide that if you've got any like comic book fans in your audience you know arkham asylum and the batman comics yes sir yep where they put like the worst craziest criminals mm-hmm. allegedly denver state was the inspiration for arkham asylum
1: yes it was it was yes it and, was and
2: that- To give you an idea, that's Danvers State in the popular imagination. It was a cruel, terrible place.
1: We we can tell. And you can feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so anybody that's wondering, yeah, it is. Um,
2: Danvers State is one of those places that even though it's condos now, that's a place that is not fun to explore.
1: No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to I much less live there. I would never there. live there.
0: No, thank you. I don't want to pay $2,000 a month for somewhere I'm going to feel like shit every day.
1: Mm-hmm. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, it's a little too high in my price range there. Even so,
0: if it was cheap, I'd be like, I'm nah. sure it's true. That's, that's New England for you,
1: unfortunately. I would still, I was like, oh, I'll just live in my car. <laughs> that was a great time i'm gonna live my my car no demons no you know (laughs) demented ghost spirits just my nice little car i'll just sleep in my nice little car um so getting back to a little bit kind of to um and there was another person a part of the salem witch trial i kind of wanted to get into briefly and then um i'll go into a few other things that i had about Salem that you had mentioned, um... Yeah, sure. I've got a little bit of time left. Bridget Bishop is a really... was a really interesting character to me. Would you mind going into a little bit of detail about her? Sure. Uh, the way we talk about Bridget Bishop
2: is that Bridget Bishop was not a good neighbor. Bridget Bishop was not the kind of person that you would have wanted to be living next door to you. She was, as far as Puritan people went, she was rowdy, She, they say, drank and gambled, she flirted with people, she had a messy yard, she wasn't above talking back to somebody when they insulted her. She was, you know, not the kind of woman that you would, she was not the Puritan ideal, let's say.
1: She sounds like my kind of woman, though. (laughs) So you're you're saying she wasn't like... So she there's... was more free-thinking than
2: other women at the time. Right. And she also, one thing that was important about her was that she owned her own business, which was something that was uh, kind of unusual at the time.
1: Right, very uncommon.
2: So she, she broke stereotypes. She was not the docile Puritan woman that uh, people wanted her to be.
1: So she was a pretty easy target because that was something with the with the witch trials and the and the hysteria about these girls is it, you know, of course, it's kind of started with Tituba and then Rebecca Nurse was one of the first ones accused. And then it just sort of seemed like from there that anybody that they could point out that they just didn't like or anybody that just didn't fit their ideal of a Puritan, it was just like, oh, she's a witch, and she's a witch, and she's a witch, and she's a witch. witch." I mean, it literally started to turn into almost like a personal thing. People
2: who deviated from social norms were easy targets.
1: Exactly. Like Sarah Good,
2: the beggar woman. Right. As things started getting further, people like Cotton Mather realized that this could be an effective tool, and they started accusing different clergy people. Like, if you look at the list of people who got accused during the witch trials, it is disproportionately high clergy people. Yes. Like, people like Cotton Mather were accusing people like George Burroughs, because as far as Puritans went, George Burroughs was kind of liberal. It was like they were trying to restore the old order to the place.
1: Um, that's also a misconception that I did want to bring up kind of going back to the crucible for some of our listeners. So, um, I know specifically from the movie, the real popular Daniel Day-Lewis movie, which he, as always gave a very incredible performance in, even though it was quite inaccurate, um, at the end of that movie... Uh, he, so I, I, we, we know George Burroughs was the one that recited the Lord's Prayer. So it was always thought that if you were not, that if you, you would never be able to recite the Lord's Prayer if you were a witch. Now I remember from the Crucible, the movie, they placed John Proctor doing that at the end of the movie. And that is historically inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. It was
2: George Burroughs all the way. Okay.
1: Good, yeah, that was definitely something else I wanted to bring up to our listeners because that's a very poignant moment at the end of the movie that he's reciting the Lord's prayer as they're getting ready to hang him. and it's now, very sad you know, and you know, emotional diminished
2: from the power of the movie, but
1: it's not the way it happened in real life exactly. that was George Burroughs good yeah i'm I'm loving i'm I'm that was a big part of this is that I really wanted to put a lot of. I I wanted to silence a lot of these these things that kept coming up that even to this day I kept hearing people reference that I'm like, okay, these are absolutely not true, so you really need to get the history down, and and I just really wanted to debunk that for sure. Let me
2: throw a little wrench into things as far as Bridget Bishop goes. There's new scholarship that is saying that we may have all along been confusing Bridget Bishop with another woman named Sarah Bishop because they were both at one point married to different men named Edward Bishop.
1: Oh, wow.
2: So there's also there's also an ongoing debate now between whether all the stuff we attribute to Bridget Bishop may have actually been character traits of Sarah Bishop.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wow.
2: Which is part of the reason why I love this stuff because this is a case that's been dead since 1692. Yes. But there's new information coming out all the time. I love it. Like, cycling back to Tituba, this story, there's no way to prove if it was her or not. But uh, just a few years after the witch trials, there was a newspaper article that showed up in some southern newspaper that said that Tituba, the witch of Salem, was on display like a sideshow type thing. And we don't know if that was actually Tituba, who after her escape, it was profiting from being Tituba, Witch of Salem, or if it was somebody pretending to be Tituba. But what's important about it was even just a few years after the witch hysteria, people knew enough about the story to be interested in it enough to want to go see Tituba.
1: Right. Exactly. Like it,
2: it, was, it was part of the popular imagination even that far back.
1: Part and of the lore. A few
2: Years after the witch trials... Uh, Reverend Hale from Marblehead, who was one of the ministers involved with the whole ordeal, he wrote a book called A Modest Enquiry into the Nature of Witchcraft. And it is his interpretation of the witch trials thing. And of course, he still takes the Puritan line that the devil's hand was involved in everything. But the introduction to the book is the best part. Because to paraphrase, he says... I don't really want to write this thing, but so many people want to know about it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm embarrassed by it, but everybody wants to know about it, so I'm going to write it. Wow. Like it, was, it was part of the American mythos from the minute it happened.
1: So when do you think... Um that people started to uh, was how long was this sort of a stain on salem before people started to embrace it more and and the town of salem has sort of come to be what it is
2: today oh it's still stained on salem
1: oh wow
2: yeah um yeah, it's it's still something Salem's not recovered from.
1: Wow. So there's still if people you, that live there that that really don't want anything to do with it or even talk about it.
2: Right. Wow. Our, our uh, tourism organ that's published by the city is called Destination Salem. They do a great job getting the word out about Salem. They publish a lovely little magazine. I advertise in them because they have such a really good reach. But every year, it is a struggle. When I go in to pay for my ads, I look at the covers for the magazine, and I'm like, please, put a witch on this thing. And instead, they're putting up pictures of, you know, the old historic ships in the harbor or some nice restaurant in Salem. Like, people are so reticent to talk about what brings people here to Salem for real. Even the people who are supposed to be advertising Salem want to say, oh, no, we're like an arts city. No, let's remember the maritime days. (laughs) And yeah, for sure, Salem is an arts hub now. It is. And at one point, it was an extremely important maritime port. I mean, we were the richest city in the country at one point due to our sea captains and merchants going all around the world. It was a Salem captain that opened up the doors to the east. But, to put it bluntly, who cares? Salem I, is the witch city. Exactly. That's what people all over the world, if you ask, what Salem? If somebody in some far-flung place, you
1: say Salem, they think of the witch. Exactly. That's why people visit.
2: People stay for the other stuff as an afterthought. There's absolutely beautiful architecture here. There's a great maritime history. There's the pirate history, which I love. But it's
0: the witch that gets people excited. Wasn't it when That's we were at the us. witch? When when we were at the witch, the witch trials. What? When we were at the witch <laughs> museum, wasn't there a couple while we were looking at stuff saying something about how witches didn't exist?
1: It was when we were in the gift shop. It was yeah. as we were leaving the gift shop. It was like, oh, how informative! How informative this was. Good things. Witches actually don't exist. Well, so, so, like, Becky's literally standing
0: right there, and I was like, Um, uh, there's a witch right here.
2: <laughs> like, like, we hear that kind of thing a lot, and I think what they're talking about is the imaginary witch.
0: It's true, yeah.
2: Will, like, twitch her nose like Samantha and make magic happen. They don't understand that spells are really more analogous with prayers, if you'd like to call them that. It, it,
1: exactly. I kind of wish like, that spell existed, work. though. Spell
2: work is intention. Like Becky, as much as I'd like to see you flying on a broom, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I, I would love fly- to. I
1: mean, do you know how much that would sa- would save me on traffic? Really, I kind of would like <laughs> to see that. Can you teach me? <laughs> it's not something that that can be taught, honey. You just you just have to know how to do it. I'm sorry. I kind of wish that
0: whole bewitch thing was real, though, because it'd be nice to just move my nose and things. Shit, be done. <laughs>
2: thing that I think everybody who works in Salem, who is part of the tourist industry, does eventually face is we do basically become witchcraft ambassadors. Yeah. I don't identify as a witch. I'm not a practicing witch. I've got my own faith-based thing. But you have to understand, witchcraft is just a kind of religion. It is. Then it, it's nothing nothing bad about it.
1: I mean, I, I think in terms of the way I was raised and, and getting into things like, you know, certain churches and blood of Christ, body of Christ, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't eat anybody's body and drink anybody's blood and what I believe in, but all of a sudden I'm the one that's wrong here, so... Well,
2: I mean, don't, don't knock drinking blood until you've tried it. I don't, and
1: I have. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast episode. Um, well, I was actually... Going, going back, back to that... that one. Going back to that 16-year-old uh, journal of mine that I hope nobody ever finds. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hot on the trail
2: of
1: that. I'm going to pick it up. Th- no. Hey, let's work together. I'll, I'll help you out with that. <laughs> no. let's,
0: let's work together. <laughs> no. He's got Casper on his side now.
1: Um, so to kind of finish off, I did want to mention two things that um, – our listeners will definitely appreciate with Salem, um, that, uh, actually have nothing to do with the witch trials whatsoever, but because we have done, um, a few episodes on serial killers, we've done one about BTK, we've done Ted Bundy, and, um, we've done Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. Um, there's ties not only to the Boston Strangler, but also Carl Panzeram that you and I were discussing prior, um,
2: that was part of why I was so happy that you ladies came on the tour, because I love to get an occasion to talk about the Salem serial killers. Yes. Oh, I was so excited.
1: <laughs> we we love our
0: serial
2: killers. We love our serial killers. <laughs> so what do, what do you want to know? Do you want to hear the Boston Strangler story?
1: I would love to. And I think our right. listeners would as well. Everyone in the background is going,
2: yes. <laughs> do, do, they, do they know the background of the Strangler at all?
1: Um, I'm sure most of them do and eventually at some point we will do an episode about it but if you can just kind of give us like the Reader's Digest version and then okay. sort of a connection from there with Salem. So in, in the 1960s in the Boston area there was this
2: horrible murder spree they called it the Boston Strangler. Now the, there was this guy nobody knew who this guy was and he was strangling women and most of them weren't the kind of victims you'd imagine there were a lot of old ladies, and he would strangle them really brutally. What he would do is he'd wait until there was a lonely woman who was by herself at home and knock on the door, and he would lie to them and say he was a reporter from Time magazine. He claimed he was looking for the woman with the best physical measurements in the country. And unbelievably, some ladies fell for it. If they didn't fall for it, he'd say it was a plumber or something, but his real favorite way to get in was to say he was looking for the woman with the best measurements. And in fact, the early uh, reports of him in the Globe and the Herald called him the Measuring Man. That was the first nickname before the Boston Strangler came about. And so what he would do is he would start measuring these ladies, and while they were distracted, he'd choke them to death. And once they were dead, he'd remove their stockings, he'd tie up the dead body with the stockings in these intricate knots, and then he'd do disgusting things to the dead body. And when he was done with that, he'd just leave, he'd flee the scene, and he'd go to try to find his next victim. And people were terrified. Nobody knew who this guy was, and because he mostly stalked women who had long, dark hair, which was popular at the time, there were actually salons around here who were offering strangler specials to bleach out ladies' hair. Yep. Like you can you can find articles and advertisements for like strangler specials at the salon where they would turn your your dark hair blonde as a strangler deterrent. But so this crime was going on. He was killing people. He was strangling He was molesting the corpses. Nasty, nasty guy. But one person kept confessing. There was this creep named Albert Salvo. Now, he was a petty criminal. He'd be arrested for robbery and harassing ladies and not even his own wife liked him. He was a real piece of work. But he kept confessing that he was the strangler and nobody took him seriously. Some people thought he was just parroting information that his cellmate in some facility gave him. Some people thought he was making it up to get attention, but he just kept confessing, and no one took him seriously. In fact, he even made a record, a little 45, where he recited a poem that was set to music Confessing he was a strangler, was all about his strange desires, and he called the poem "Stranglers in the Night."
0: (laughs) Oh my God! Stranglers in the night. (laughs) Uh
2: Oh, it's stranglers in the night, and the B side is some like '60s garage rock song called Albert Albert about Albert DeSalvo. Oh my God! Oh
0: Lord Jesus, help us all!
2: (laughs) (laughs) What a terrible record. When you come to Salem, I'll play it for you, but. Anyway, no one took DeSalvo seriously. They thought he was just a crazy guy who wanted attention. But eventually, he went to jail. He got in a fight with the wrong guy. He was stabbed in the heart over 20 times, and clearly that killed him. He got buried discreetly in Peabody, Massachusetts. That's a neighboring town of to Salem. And he was just lay your hair undisturbed until, I believe, 2012. At that point, there were forensic scientists who wanted to prove he was not the Strangler, so his body was exhumed. They took a little DNA sample from DeSalvo's body, and they went to match it with the crime scene from Salem. Well, the blood stain and the DNA matched, and it turned out DeSalvo really had been the Strangler, at least for the Strangler crime that took place in Salem. And the Salem Strangler murder was the nastiest of all of them.
1: Oh, wow. And I did remember hearing about that, that there was at one time people were really gung-ho about trying to disprove that it actually was him. Because I think even at one time there was talk that there might have been two murderers.
2: Right. There, DeSalvo might have been inspired by or he might have been a copycat. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, with the solid link from the DNA to the Salem murder... I think there's a really good case to be made that not only did he do this one but he did at least some of the other ones in Boston because the crime profile fits so well. Exactly. And Just a funny note about the crime scene in Salem that's up on Lafayette Street and when I went to Salem State University I had a friend who lived in that apartment building and we had no idea that that was the Strangler building.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: And it was the kind of place that we would have loved to know it. It was that they, my friend was like this black metal guy. He had big tenants for Venom hanging up all over the place. And yes! it was like just horror movies all the time. Yes. And if we'd known we were partying at the Strangler murder house, we would have been very happy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Seriously.
2: I didn't learn until a couple of years after he'd moved out and we hadn't been in that place for years.
1: We oh, were like, <laughs> damn it. If only. <laughs> Um,
2: the, I, th- I think we would have done a seance or two Right, that's exactly
1: what I was going to say Yeah, you'd have to You'd have to at that point You'd have to try to contact him I mean, why not? You're in the perfect environment for it <laughs> um, The other, so quickly to kind of finish off um, Oh, absolutely Carl Panzeram happens to be one of my personal favorites um, As far as serial killer goes And just because this guy was so ruthless This guy was just absolutely horrible and um he was uh committed it was claimed that he committed 21 murders and over a thousand sodomies of young boys and men and um it wasn't even that He he might have even
2: done more
1: than that oh i believe so too i believe so too because he he wasn't gay it was just seen to him if there's any way that i could emasculate someone any more than that I'm going to rape them. I'm going to sodomize them. He wanted to be the
2: evil in the world. But he felt like he'd been treated like such garbage that he wanted to take revenge on the whole world.
1: So his tie uh, to, um, yeah, actually, because there was a comment. I I love this. He was sentenced to death. And there were these human rights activists that were trying so hard to intervene, and he says to them, "The only thanks you and your kind will ever get from me for your efforts on my behalf is that I wish you all had one neck that I could put my hands on."
2: You know, I I love him so much. That's so
1: nasty. Right? <laughs> I mean, how could you not? Just like that all the, sentence. All I the love warm, that. I love I,
0: him I, so much. He's so nasty. A bit more basic though. My, my
2: favorite Panzerem croak was. The only good things in this world are whiskey and sodomy.
1: Even better. All the warm, fuzzy feelings with that one. Just so many warm, fuzzy feelings.
2: Anybody who can hear me in this house right now is probably scared.
1: They're like, what? Would it, huh? I'll say it
2: louder. <laughs> the only good things in this world are whiskey
1: and sodomy. <laughs> the only thing to fear is fear spirits. So- and whiskey and sodomy. That's how I heard that. And, and
2: when whiskey and
1: sodomy. <laughs> So anybody that that's going to listen... Do, do, do you all want to get tattoos that say that? That'll be hilarious. Oh, uh, that, yes. Let's oh, do it. I would so do it. Let's do it. You know me. I'm going home. will make right. a pact.
2: We, we have a pact. When you come back, <laughs> we get tattoos. We're doing
1: great. it. Great. That sounds great. <laughs> so his actual... Um, so the murder he committed in Salem, um, it was... I I I actually didn't... No, I, I, I was familiar with it, but not enough. If you can elaborate on it a little bit right. and kind of where that it ties was, in. It was
2: during the part of Panzeram's criminal career where he was stealing yachts. He was taking boats and going right. into different ports of call and just doing his murders and hopping back on the boat and going somewhere else. He pulled into Salem very briefly, but he was here long enough to kidnap a boy, brutally sodomize him, then smash his head in with a rock. Then he hopped on his boat, went back to sea, and nobody knew what was up. And there was a story in the Salem newspaper about this horrible crime with a boy found bleeding from his bum with his head crushed to a pulp. And for years, nobody could have any idea who the culprit was. But when Panzram was in jail during that period of his life, when he was just writing out that big, long confession of everything, one of the... Tales, he told, was of a little vacation he took to Salem, and his vacation involved kidnapping a boy, sodomizing him, and smashing his head with a rock. People didn't really think he was telling the truth, but then they went and cross-referenced Salem police and the old newspaper articles, and that case was closed pretty quickly. Panzeram was telling the truth.
1: Oh my gosh. That's insane, though, seriously. And that was his, that was, again, his modus operandi. It was something he, very common, very, very common that he did. Um, He was
2: just such a strange one in that he he would be so brutal, there was no sentimentality in the killings at all.
1: At all.
2: Like, he wasn't the kind of guy who would take mementos or anything. He just did it for the pure act of it and then moved on. Yep. Yep. Like I would, I would love. I I know he wouldn't like to, but I would love to just talk to him and see what was going on.
1: I agree. I think that's you know, and it's it's it, that was kind of my you know. I I know for my listeners that was something that sort of we we talked about in our very first episode of of what sort of brought full circle of us wanting to get into this and. Not only both of us being into the horror genre and also a bit of a history buff, I really at one time wanted to be a criminal psychologist, and it really fascinated me to get into I wanted to know why I wanted to get into their brains I wanted to know their history their childhood nature versus nurture like what there, there has got to be I, I just couldn't fall for the for the old oh well they're just plain evil that's what it well no I'm Something not buying that the
0: screw loose yeah it's I'm, I'm not always, buying there's that. a
1: reason there's a, there's an explanation there's a reason if you can really sit down with them and have a conversation and really dig into their heads There is always a reason, maybe not reasonable or justifiable in your eyes, but at least give an explanation as to why. Not that you're condoning the murderers or whatever they did in any way, but it gives you an insight and explanation as to why.
2: But Panzerim just went so far off the deep end because all those other boys who were in the institution with him when he was a kid, they were probably treated just as poorly. But Panzerim was the one who was like, I'm going to take stuff in my own hands and make the world pay. Yep.
1: There is, um, I know you and I mentioned this, and I, I have got to give him credit because I had the pleasure many years ago of meeting him, um, but John Borowski is a uh, an amazing filmmaker and author, um, and he did a wonderful, wonderful documentary back in 2011 uh, called Carl Panzeram, The Spirit of Hatred and Vengeance and there is a man that narrates this and it, it, it he he does a voice that is just you would believe it was Carl Panzaram. He's reading from his own writings and it's almost okay. as if you're hearing Carl Panzaram tell his story to you. Um it's absolutely amazing. Um like I said Dr. Vic, I will find the link and send it to you, Please, but if I'd anybody can find this, I I highly 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 recommend watching it. it is just it is so much knowledge and it's really really interesting. It's almost as if you're getting a full firsthand account from Carl Panzeram himself. it's it's brilliant. I can't say enough good about it.
2: I'm, I'm going to be waiting for that link. I will eat
1: that. <laughs> I, I promise I will. You guys I are going to be, we're all going
0: to be like sending each other so much back, <laughs> back and forth. It's going to be like, <laughs> oh my God! This is for you, and <laughs> this is for you, and this is for you. Next time
2: you come up here, we ought to go to Boston. Are you are you familiar with uh, Jesse Pomeroy?
1: You'll have to refresh my memory on that one.
2: Oh, he's a little under the radar, but he was quite a killer. They called him the boy fiend of Boston. Go on. He, he was pretty much destined to be a creep from the minute he was born. He had like a wow. gross, milky eye, and he Ooh. was killing people when he was just a kid. Like, his body count wasn't as big as some of the other ones, but just the way he mutilated his victims was pretty gruesome. And I'll leave you hanging on that for the next time you come oh, to yes. this area. I'll take you to some of the sites. But I can tell you that. He hid his final victim in the family dung heap. They give you an idea just how destitute everybody was at the time. They had a family dung heap in the basement.
1: A way to keep the family together, I guess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever works.
1: What is your family? My family's full of shit. Down
2: (laughs) in the dung heap. Down in the dung heap. But yeah, he, he was a child and he was killing other kids. Oh wow! Oh wow! Jesse Pomeroy, and e- even in Salem, into about the 1940s, Jesse Pomeroy was like the boogeyman around here. If, if you had a kid who was behaving badly, you'd say, "You better be careful, or else Jesse Pomeroy's is going to get you." Oh,
1: oh my wow. gosh, that's
2: intense.
1: That is a I mean, wonderful way to end this episode, too. <laughs> a cliffhanger, <laughs> okay?
2: First, my memory on him was just like Panzerim. He also wrote a narrative confession although his was you know his was a little more commercial but yeah jesse pomeroy is gonna get
1: you oh wow all right guys um well i think that does it that that was a perfect (laughs) way to end this podcast um i we've gone spooky ending you know most of our most of our serial killer ones usually go about two hours but this one went two hours and i think this is I think I can safely say this is the the best one we've done. And we had some good stuff. I had a good time talking to you. We, had a we really enjoyed talking Thank to you. you so 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 much. We really you have really, my really number. Feel
0: free to reach out anytime you'd like. What is that? Is that Casper or is that yes. Gremlins? That was Casper. Casper, not
1: Gremlins. All right. Well, Casper, I will be sending you that
0: uh, thing we talked about—the freaks' photograph. Sure, and I will be sharing it with Becky. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Well, I'm glad we're
1: in touch. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll we'll be in touch. I'll send you you know everything we talked about and the link and the picture and. We can't wait to come back out and visit and we just cannot thank you enough for this for this episode.
2: I have, I had a lot of fun and I do hope you come back because I want to show you the Oddities collection. Oh you we will. will
0: we will there is no doubt we will be back.
2: And you gotta meet the dog too, because
1: he's just too cute. Yay! <laughs> we love our dogs. We love our animals. puppers, puppers are It
0: doesn't matter if he's fifteen years old, he's puppers. They're always puppers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> always.
2: All right, well, have a great night. I hope the storm doesn't get
1: you. (laughs) Oh, it seems to have died down, uh, coincidentally. So thank you again, Dr. Thank you so uh, much. We couldn't, we just can't thank you enough. I just tell the
2: folks in the uh, radio land to please take a Spelldown Tours ghost tour if they go to Salem. Yes. Our website is SpelldownTours.com. You can get tickets on that. We run uh, through November 15th. And you better come out, because
1: I think you'll enjoy it. Hell yeah. Hey, we'll be, fucking men. We'll have links all over um, oh, yeah. our social media and on the podcast for everybody. And, and thank you. Thank you again so much. Well,
2: thank you for having me. It was fun.
1: Have a great night. Good night. Get some sleep. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Um, we know that one went long, and we but we, we had to. Um, we apologize it jumped around a little bit, but there was so much knowledge that we wanted to bring to all of you, not only about Salem, but the surrounding areas, um, the witch trials, the history, H.P. Lovecraft, the serial killers. There just so much.
2: Just there was so, so, so much. much
1: that we knew that we had a feeling we were going to try to keep it an hour and a half, but we thought to ourselves, like, there's no way this is going to be an hour and a half long, so... Yeah, we just we really <laughs> wanted to bring. Sorry, Ooh. yeah, <coughs> we got a little f- Aller- clamped, man. Allergy's this episode was fucking... so deep, like it's so deep. It's in my lungs. It's in her throat. Um, so we'll go through and uh, do our sponsor real quick. Calm your body down. Ding.
0: All right, guys. So I love how
1: sometimes that's on key and sometimes it's not. It's, I, I apologize. Not. So guys, um, everything is still half price through Fourth uh, of July. Um, get all of your items. Um, we'll have some new stuff coming. Just keep checking back. Um, and the Etsy shop again is etsy.com/shop/slash so calm your body down. Calm your
0: body down. Hey, it was on key that time. All right, okay, I guys. So let's... for next week, yeah, it is finally the. <laughs> So we've been, like, promising you guys this Borden episode. You for continue, the last... Casper. I have to pee. Sorry, guys. We, we've been um, promising you guys this Borden episode for, like, a month now. But the reason why we decided to even move it past another week was because we actually are were able to get an interview with, um, her name's Danielle, and she works at the Borden house. She's been working there for about eight and a half years. She's very knowledgeable, um, extremely, extremely educated, and that whole case knows all the facts. Um, and we actually get to interview her, and we wanted to make sure this is this is a very special episode to both of us. Um, I have a very, very, very personal connection with the with uh, Lizzie Borden, and it's just it's. We wanted to make sure we do it right in the best way. And Danielle's going to definitely help with that. So we really appreciate her uh, giving her, us the, her time to interview her and really go over all the facts, let you guys know some stuff that you probably didn't know because we walked into that house thinking we knew everything and walked out like, holy shit, we knew nothing. So... Yeah. Um, Sorry, I had to... I ooh, Lord, bladder <laughs> was screaming, guys. It's definitely going to be like this episode probably one of the best episodes we've come out with um i we apologize that we keep pushing it back but the reason that we did was because it's going to be so much better having someone who's literally researched this for her job like it has been her life for eight years so we're very excited to have danielle on and we are for sure going to be putting that episode out next week
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like we said, we wanted to bring you guys just like with the Salem episode, we wanted to debunk a lot of things and bring you guys the real history. And that's exactly what we, what we want to do with Lizzie Borden. There have just Hollywood has just taken way too much artistic license. And I think a lot of people feel like they know the story, but they've been giving a very given a very biased opinion. And we feel like we owe it to Lizzie, to the Bordens and to the family to give you the true, true, true story. As as true as we can get it, so and of
0: course, you know she she even said it too. It's all speculation. It's all you know. You can you only have so many facts to draw a conclusion, and. You
1: kind of just, she's going to give you all the facts, but you still have to draw your own conclusion. And at the end of the podcast, we will give you, we will give you guys our idea from the beginning who we thought did it. And then at the end, who we think did it. And then we will also really, really, really like to hear what you guys think. If we changed your opinion, if maybe you thought the whole time Lizzie did it or somebody else, or by the time you listen to us, you still think she did it or Maybe you buy into that. It's somebody else. So we're really excited about that episode because I really, really want to know if we changed people's opinions and reach out to us and let us know um, who you think did it after you listen.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, guys. Well, we will
0: definitely see you next week. Check us out on the,
1: all oh, the platforms social media. and all I that apologize. Good stuff. It's and late. sorry guys, so, we're um, actually <laughs> recording this on a Saturday and it's like two o'clock in the morning, so we're like so social pass media the hell out after this. Social media, I apologize.
0: We are on Podbean, Castbox, Podcast Player, Podcast Addicts, and Spotify. You can find us at Don't Fuck with the Original. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Don't Fuck with the Original. Twitter handle is DFWTO8811. Any questions or concerns, or you just want to say hey, feel free to email DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And for being tired, I have to say I did a really good job with that. You did a
1: great job. <laughs> I barely had to do this when I'm always tired. It's just you know it's old hat now. So I'm like I got it. I got I finally it. I got it.
0: It's in there. Six months later, <laughs> <laughs> I finally got it. Alright guys, well first of all, or last of first of all, last of all, I just wanna say y'all not go to the gallows hill. Cause gallows hill is really bad. Don't go there. sometimes dead is
1: better on gallows hill. <laughs> and I'm gonna go partake in some whiskey and sodomy, so you guys have a great night. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs>